Okay, we are really hyped about this week's episode. We have the Dingo in the booth. Now, he has truly paved his own lane. He's a one-of-a-kind human. We talk about his Australian roots, how he came over to America at a young age. Uh, He was a sponsored snowboarder, kind of turned hype man, turned announcer, turned basically celebrity. We get into the rise and fall of grenade gloves, as well as his own personal struggles with suicide and depression. He now has a foundation called Find Your Grind, where he does some really cool stuff. He basically helps teens find their career path, and he cares deeply about the future generations. And he offers all kinds of advice and basically explains how just being himself has led him everywhere from having his own TV show to hosting NASCAR events. And uh, it was just a fascinating convo with a -a one-of-a-kind human, all kinds of cool celebrity party stories and whatnot. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to let you guys know we are dropping some new hats and vests on the site this week. They are pure fire, so check out bombhole.com where we have sticker packs. You can also find our Patreon there if you want to support the podcast. Head on over to bombhole.com. And without further ado, let's get into the Dingo episode. You are listening to the Bombhole. Bombhole Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the Bombhole. going to slide down in big hills, you know what I mean, on a big, nice, burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go. Another day in paradise. We are back in the booth at the bomb hole, which is presented by Wild Mike's Pizza, Solomon, and Pub Beer. Now, Stony Buds, how you doing, my friend? So good, my dog. Always love hearing that. Now, to my left, we have the Dingo in the booth today. The Dingo, what's going on? What's up, boys? Hanging out. I'm here. We are happy to have you. Um, you know, we got a lot of stuff to cover with you because uh, your life has been pretty badass. So. You know, one thing personally that is near and dear to me is that early grenade era. Uh-huh. The early, that, that energy when it first started. And uh, let's, just, let's just dive right into the, the, the building of grenade gloves. Man, so I met Danny and Lane. I think the first time I met them was at Junior Worlds. Uh, officially, I think, in, in Italy. We had kind of hung out the year before at Junior Worlds in France and like, 99 and 2000 and uh and then i'd like made my move to steamboat where i'd spent a year to train with the uh steamboat springs winter sports club and then basically joe eddie was a kid living in mammoth keena rice was living in mammoth at that uh, in steamboat at that time and uh we had opted to come back and move to to Mammoth where I like slept on Joe Eddie's couch. Joe Eddie was a pro snowboarder back in the day like and 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 made it to X Games, was pro and genius Oakley and whatnot, but was young young and and then Keenan Ke- Keenan was too and uh and moved to Mammoth where I slept on the Eddie's couch. Like this tiny like little couch was like my bed and in the living room was like where my clothes and everything were and then Joe and his sister upstairs, and his mom. It was like one and a half bedroom apartment with four people, and uh, and 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 that 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 following that before that, Danny and Lane had moved to Mammoth. Danny had won a couple contests. I moved to Mammoth with his mom and had enrolled into the school in Mammoth Homeschool where Jeff Anderson went, and then we followed. So I enrolled, Joe Eddie enrolled, and that was after the. Uh, 
It was the Junior Worlds in Italy, Sapata, 2000, 2001, and then I moved to Mammoth, summer of 2001. And Grenade had not made any product yet. It had been a stencil. Matt and Danny had come up with the company idea. Tim Karpinski famously was at the X Games, I think in, was it Stowe, Vermont, or Killington, Vermont? I forget. Uh, what, Mount Snow. Mount Snow. That's where it was, yeah. And, and that's where Grenade famously had kind of arisen. Tim Karpinski's at the half pipe, shaved head, and basically screaming out. Everyone had been wearing gloves on their hands. Everyone had been trying to figure out, like, what company to make. And nobody had a glove sponsor. And people were wearing socks on their hands. And the name had come up. It was Grenade Gloves. And Pinsky's screaming into the half pipe, we're going to make gloves. And that was pre-me. And then it was that summer where uh, Matt Cass had been living out in Mammoth for some time. He was, like, the leader of that East Coast movement, you know? Mark Riley, you know, had been there. And then on, on the other East Coast side, you know, from New Jersey was, you know, Danny, Sketchy D, Dave Schiff, and all these people had just started migrating. Um, and the gas station in June Lake was bought. And that's kind of where I came into it. And and and, and we, uh, it was, it, it was a company that hadn't really shipped anything yet. And then when it, it made the first gloves, the gloves were horrible. You wipe your nose, they'd bleed. They had the Karpinski's. The, the, the gas station got spray painted out. The the riser that was like the, the riser had been pulled out and it was a mini ramp. And we were packing boxes, throwing empty beer cans in there in 40s and <laughs> shipping God knows what to people. Uh, and, you know, it kind of took off from there. I think the original team photo at June Lake, there's maybe 30 people in the picture. Hannah Beeman's in the picture. Charlie Marachi's in the picture. Scotty Arnold's in the picture. Colin Langlois, Kyle Clancy. Um, just and, give a quick air horn for those names. Yeah, quick. just fucking bing, 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 Jeff Kramer. And, uh, and you know, Bobby George was the local. Jeff Anderson was, like, really the only local that really took a liking to most people moving. And I lived in the same complex as Jeffy. So we were all in Sierra, and he was my neighbor, and... and, and um, I uh I got to I got to you know know Jeffy pretty 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 fucking well man and he was the one that kind of was like wow this is pretty cool what's happening here nothing's ever come like this to to Mammoth and the rest of the town hated us and then um I became the official team manager I think when I was 16 I think I was 16 and we'd 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 migrated from June Lake we still had the office there but we had taken over the building in Mammoth like behind Domino's where M6 used to be and uh, there needed to be a team manager, and Clancy, I think Clancy was the leader on that, and they had, like, a bit of a board meeting, and they kind of just, I kind of got given the job. It wasn't a job that paid anything. It was just a job. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a job to send shit to people. I don't even know if we had a budget to send stuff to people, and I sure as hell wasn't writing anything down when I was taking it out of the, the packing order, so I, a lot of stuff went missing. And I used to overload people. <laughs> But, like, it was, uh, and I'll never forget it, like, my first office was actually in a bay that had no heating. So, in the middle of winter, I had this office upstairs from where all the uh, all the product was in the warehouse, and there was no heating, and I was just in there just stuffing boxes, putting people's names on it, and shipping it out. I remember Matt come down once, and it was a box of, like, Pat Moore or something. There would have been, like, $3,000 worth of shit in there. Matt's like... The fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Send the box to Pat. 
Unreal. You know, but it was like, you know, and I'd been sleeping on Joe's couch. I was going to school. Doing homeschool and uh, and and then basically Lane and 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 Danny who I'd I'd met at Junior Worlds in Italy and I was basically sleeping on Lane's couch every night and not going home to Joe's supposed to be going to homeschool and I was showing up every other week basically handing in some work and then uh, how, how how old just to I'm 16 at the 16, time yep. yeah when I moved to Mammoth I was 15 turned 16 so I was 16 at the time and you know sleeping on Lane's couch and then sleeping on Danny's couch and. That was the year uh, Full Metal Legends came out. So we all had mohawks. We uh, that was the year we we hightailed to uh, Super Park in uh, in Breckenridge. There wasn't there. there I, I don't even think the grenade bus was a thing yet. I got the I got the original ninety three ninety four Winnebago tattooed on my leg, but it was just a van at that point. It was a spray painted van um, that we would all drive around in, and I remember driving to Super Park. There was. I don't know, eight or nine of us in the van that had two seats. And uh, Oakley, Maddie Swanson got us a hotel room that year and we were all crammed into a room. And that was when I first started announcing things. I got given a, wasn't even a microphone. I got given a, a megaphone and just started blurting stuff out at Super Park in 2001. Maybe it was 2002. Yeah, I think we're in 2002 now because the Olympics, I think it happened. And, uh, and, and I'm just at Super Park the bear in the hand and a megaphone in the other hand just hurling abuse at everybody going by. <laughs> and uh and and it kind of escalated from there, but that's kind of like that's kind of my intro into like grenade and how I ended up fitting into the picture, you know? Matt and Danny created it, you know. Then there was, you know, Jared Slater, 7.5, I think percent Slater was his name at the time. I think he owned 7.5% on a napkin. Mm-hmm. I think there was about six or seven other people that had percentages on that time. You know, everyone kind of owned Grenade. Nobody really knew who owned it. <laughs> <laughs> Messy paper trail with those, all those napkins. Huh? Yeah, hence the reason it couldn't be sold at the end. <laughs> we sold it. Oh, it was sold. It got sold. It yeah. Did. Yeah, it just didn't sell for $100 million like we got told. <laughs> you had all these, oh, are you the next Volcom? Are you next this? Are you next that? Or... The end of the day, man, I think what happened was supposed to happen. It was a moment in time, and you take snowboarding what it was there in the early 2000s, and I think it was um, the snowboard needed the, the snowboard industry needed it. It needed a uh, it needed to be thrown upside down, and Danny Cass was just the man to do it. And and I'll never forget this is like way down the road. This was like fuck. We'd gone through shit. Friends stopped talking to us. People stopped working for us, and it was all these like underlying things that that happened or didn't happen. And, and I remember, you know, sitting in the, the, the office in, in Oregon with Danny and his dad. And he's like, fuck, like I never wanted any of this. You know, I could have bought a Ferrari. I never wanted to buy a Ferrari. I bought a bus and took all my friends around. It's crazy. The ride that everybody got to go on. If you look at that original list of people and I look at it now heavily, you know, and it's like fucking Kurt Morgan, Jared Slater, Travis Rice, you're looking at the original like people that are in those original movies. Carl Clancy, Zach Leach, Hannah Beeman. You just keep you can Ron Clampy, you just keep going down. And that's a fucking heavy list of people. You know, and all these people went off to have their own careers. And I think Danny helped a lot of people into the industry, you know, in a way of creating some creating a movement that was you know, bigger than snowboarding or just like what snowboarding needed, you know? And I think snowboarding at that time was not getting, hadn't got corporate yet, you know, like 
the energy drink business wasn't big in there, corporate America, but it was on its way. You know, after the 2002 Olympics, things changed. 2006 come around and things completely fucking changed. But in that like 2000 to 2005 era, it was fucking raw. Snowboarding was raw. We were raw. You know, we were a bunch of just misfit kids, you know, outlaws against society on like, you know, we're snowboarders and we're going to, you know, do it our way. And a lot of people hated us for that. You're either part of the crew or you hated us, Mm -hmm. you know? And I remember the first year I went to X Games, it was 2000, 2001. No, it must have been 2002 again. I gotta, I'm fucking weird with my, my times here. But I think it was 2002. That was the same year of the Olympics at Ross, Danny, JJ, Podium. I never forget. We, I rolled up, we rolled up to the Olympics with Bridges in his, little, in, his, in his Honda Civic. And I had a blow-up doll. I had this fake pleather jacket on. I had spray cans. I fucking, we had, uh, you know, it was just, it, I had the megaphone. And it was just, we were at the Olympics and, you know, shit was different, you know, 30,000 people there, and, 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 and then they went and, you know, Danny, Ross, and JJ swept the podium. First American sweep in 52 years. Next thing you know, these guys are, you know, well, that was supposed to be on Good Morning America or something. Ross got a little drunk, and they didn't make that interview. They got pulled from that one. But, like, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but they were on the cover of every newspaper, you know? Mm-hmm. They were huge. Oh, yeah. You know, they all got nasty deals right off the bat, and then, and then, and then, and then, you know, it, it, it just, Things changed from there. You could see, you could see that there was much more of a movement. And then when, like, I think the money started rolling in for Danny, rather than getting a big house or buying a fancy car or just, you know, a lot of people. We know a lot of these people, and in, in they come up in sport or whatever it is, and they floss for themselves, but they don't give back. Right? I get it. It's, un, it's, it's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. I think in society, you're being like taught to like get bigger, make more money, buy a bigger house, get these things right, or like, or get more material things that don't mean shit. But like. Danny like really wanted everyone to come along for the ride. Yeah, he brought his boys. He him. brought his boys. You know, mm-hmm. he brought he brought the crew with him, and it was all about being a part of and 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 letting them be a part of it. You know, not having not riders not having to stress as much on like fuck like is this sponsor going to pay to put me in the video? You know, yeah, the sponsors were paying for like sponsors. We had grenade sponsors, but there were definitely a lot of riders in there that wouldn't be getting movie parts or getting a couple clips in movies that were all a part of the grenade crew. And again, there were people that were getting sponsorships and getting travel budgets. Wouldn't have been getting that anyway. You know, like you can't take out like fucking Travis Rice and these people. Travis Rice was always going to do his own fucking thing, but he was still part of that like original crew. You know, the first time I met... First time I met Travis was, you know, because I'd done a trip to Steamboat and Keenan Rice, uh, another guy by Jamie Curcio, Steamboat guys are the people I've known the longest, you know, and 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 Keenan and Travis were friends because uh, Jackson's close to Steamboat. The first time I ever met Travis was was that year I was living in Steamboat and he comes in, he's got these these like cowboy jeans on, tucked in shirt and like a full cowboy hat, and that was Rice's kit. <laughs> good old boy from yeah, good old good Wyoming boy. boy. You know, that was his kit. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then the super park that he blew up at, like he came and just fucking knocked doors down in Mama Super Park, and he'd signed, I think, Rosignol back then. Mm-hmm. And but all these people were on their own different trajectories, you know. And it was it was cool because it's like I look at it now, you know, and you know, speaking of Kurt Morgan, or you look at what he's done or doing, you're just like, holy shit, dude's a maniac, but the dude's a fucking smart motherfucker, you know. Tra- uh, uh, Jared Slater, you know, who made the original Grenade movies, like smart guy today still. You know, these guys are doing working in big movie business stuff. So it's it's crazy to look back and not even just the snowboarders, creative people that were involved in like what was going on. And then there was just, you know, a glove company on the side that we were trying to sell gloves. 
<laughs> so I, I want I want to pick your brain on this a little bit because you know I graduated high school in two thousand five. So your guys's uh, media juggernaut of grenade becoming this thing, it was working on me. Like I was I was your guys's target demographic. I remember I hand cut my own grenade stencil that was all wonky, and I would spray paint on my board, and I would go around. I didn't even know anybody at Grenade. I would buy grenade gloves, and like I was fucking down, dude. Like. And I, I always find myself wondering, like, what made that energy, what made that that time period so special? Like, what, if you were going to replicate it, like, what what were the ingredients to making it? And and I think, like, you know, t- to answer my own question, and I want to ask you as well. It's like you have you have Danny who's winning everything, but he's also bringing along all his boys. But I don't think we've seen like a collective of that much energy towards one thing since then. I don't know if I'm wrong about that, but what do you what do you think made it so? The draw is so strong, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's hard to redo things, you know. It's it's again, it's like a moment in time. It's like yeah. it's like grenade still being around today. It's like if the logo got sold, it's used as a supplement company that you fucking you know they buy they sell food like fucking health bars or some shit. You know, it's like <laughs> what? But like it's 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 a moment in time, and I think snowboarding needed that upset. It was like, we were still keeping it core to like, you know, the, 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 what the core original snowboarders were doing in the nineties, I feel like. And it was just the, it was the last of that because like big sponsorship, big corporate came in. And if you're a snowboarder like Danny today, you can't live like Danny did back then. Right. And it was like, nobody had glove sponsors, you know? So every Burton rider was wearing gloves. Sean White was, his name I think was in the first catalog. He had grenade stickers on his board, you know? And then every Burton rider like that like, was on, that was on grenade was wearing grenade gloves until the point to like, there was a meeting at, at, at the, in Burlington and they fucking, all the riders come in and there's fucking every grenade glove on the table. And they're like, how do we do this? All right, you guys are all now contracted to wear Burton gloves. You know, uh-huh. we like, we can't like, we, 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 again, we were helping people get paid more money so they didn't wear our shit, you know? And it was like, it was, it was, again, it's that, there was that East Coast movement that then kind of bonded with all these other offset people that Mm -hmm. kind of came in and that group, like, it's like even Mammoth now, like I I go and hang out in Mammoth and you're just like, fuck, like, it's not what it was. Mm -hmm. But like, it's, things change, you know? Like, and Mammoth was such a small town so you, you put like 60 snowboarders, give or take, there's probably even more, but you put 60 core snowboarders like that, they're going to make noise in a little town. And then when they move and travel, you're making noise everywhere we went. And I think it was it was authentic and it was real. And I think that today in this age, if you make it as a pro snowboarder and you've got these sponsors and you've got obligations and you've got to compete and do these things, you can't live and act like that. You know, where there was no social media, you know, they sure as hell aren't partying like we partied. We used to tear places apart. Like, the cops would come in in riot gear just to break up parties, you know, in a tiny little town. <laughs> Dude, you had every, you guys had everybody wanting to move to Mammoth at the time, you know? Yeah, it like, was like, Mammoth oh, was fuck. was a spot, right? You know, I remember going to Stanwood Lane, and it was like, this is the shit, the pink rails, and, yeah. you know, that doesn't, it doesn't have that same energy anymore. Yeah. That, that's, it's unreplicable. Un- you can't replicate that. Nah, this is not going to happen. You know, and then at the point, it was like a lot of the people that were were, were, were were able to work at the company too. And it ended up being the fall of a lot of it too, you know. But I, again, I just, I think about it all the time. And it's like, I, I just think it was a moment in time. And I'm glad that we had that moment in time. I got a Patreon question from Lane. Yeah, let's hit it. Um, it's kind of a three-part lightning round question. Hopefully this first part is appropriate. Where did the sticker, maybe the dingo ate your lady, come from? 
I never saw that, but did that exist? I don't know. Yeah, that exists. That was a sticker floating around the U.S. Open. So we had sticker machines so we could make quotes and make all these. I like, remember those. They were so incredible. we could show up at an event and just screw people over. And the Dingo 8 lady was at a U.S. Open maybe like 2007, something like that. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. You somebody know? whipped it up. Somebody well, I remember that the up. Dingo 8's your baby in that famous movie back in the day. Yeah, well, that's Every, a real thing. Yeah, that's you a know, famous. Lady, that actually like, happened, right? It's a true story. Yeah, yeah. They say that, well, she went to jail and they pulled her out of jail. And, well, maybe she she did something. So his next question was, since you were 15, how many tour buses have you puked on? And also, what is the Australian mind trick? <laughs> oh, this is good. The Australian mind trick is I used to uh, sneak into bars from the age of 15. I was sneaking into bars since I was 15, and I had my 21st birthday, and people thought I was like 30. <laughs> Pat Bridges in Sean White's, Sean White's uh, guest editor issue, basically, in Sean's opening notes, like there was a, a line where Sean basically said, uh, and Pat set this up, but... Sean basically was like, yeah, Dingo's a 34-year-old roadie from Idaho. So then people like, as I'm like 19, 20, people like, you liar, you're a fraud. You're from Idaho. <laughs> and that's when the magazines ruled the world. There was no social media. There was no, oh, fact-checking. It was just like, it said it in the magazine, so it was real. But yeah, man, I was a genius at sneaking into bars. I never had a fake ID. I ended up with Jesse House's fake ID, and I think that got taken off me, but I never had a fake ID, and I never had a problem getting into a bar, which was which was kind of weird. What was the second one? Pu- tour buses? Did you used to puke on a lot of tour buses, according to Lane? Yeah. Yeah. I don't puke on them. I don't puke on them. Uh, Anymore? No. Nah, no, nah, I grew up a little bit. But yeah, I used to I used to throw up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Food poisoning. <laughs> Allergic yep. to alcohol. Um, cool. Well, to keep it moving, since we got a lot of stuff to cover, um, you know, well, first let's let's actually talk a little bit about the fall grenade and some of the details and involved with that. If you yeah, care I think to speak like, on it, you know, I, I, it's I think there's a couple parts to it. You know, it's it's Matt and Danny went separate ways. You know, a little bit, and like the company had grown, and it had it had been split from. You know, the the company had to move out of Mammoth because it had outgrown Mammoth. To ship millions of product in from China and have it driven up to Mammoth and then shipped out is pretty unfeasible. So Oregon ended up being the spot, Portland, where there was a warehouse purchased and most of the company had been moved up there. Shipping was up there. Matt was running the company at the time. Danny was still in the middle of snowboarding. You know, that was 2005, 2006-ish. You know, and and I think the, the company grew a lot. There was a lot of moving parts you know and when you're at the helm which matt was at the helm there's a lot to deal with you know and 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 you know i think i think there was a little bit of you know come on stuck there and 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 there had been you know some issues maybe some 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 mental issues that had like over like overseen anybody that knows and i know this now more than ever because i've been in i've been working since i was a teenager Dude, you overdo yourself. You go over getting your head. You probably know this too from Tech Nine days. Mm-hmm. It's fucking tough to run it's a tough. business. You're in charge of a lot of people. You're in charge of a lot of things. You're in charge of shipping. You're in charge of product. You're in charge of sales. Like it gets it gets technical. And I think I think maybe Matt just got a bit over his head and then was able to like defer off different things. I remember showing up to the warehouse that should have been full of gloves and it was full of video games and boats and there'd been a skate park built in the warehouse. So it's like he was having fun, but it was like 
And I, I just think, you know, there could have been a time when, you know, maybe he had a reached out for help. And I'm still really young at this point, you know. I'm, like, young and naive. And, like, I'm just I'm just there to, you know, I, I, I'd always, you know, stuck by Danny and was there just to do my thing. And, and at that point, Danny's winning the contest. I'm announcing it. I'm blowing a grenade out. Um, I think there was also, like, you know, a, a lot of the riders hadn't, hadn't been paid then. No one really got paid in Grenade until after the huge explosion. And then coming out of, like, 2008, 2009, when Dustin Craven, uh, uh, Aaron Niemela, all these guys, we had people on the team that started getting paid. But that was in, like, the 04, 05, 06 era. There were a lot of people that, yeah, should have got paid. And just kind of didn't, you know? And it was just a mismanaged business. And then the mismanaged business tallied up on debts, maybe some taxes not being paid, stuff not being shipped to the right places or just, and it's easily come unstuck, right? And I think I think for Danny, you know, there weren't like loans on banks or anything back then and Danny was shoveling, you know, a lot of his own money into it and not really knowing what's going on. At that point, Danny had not like put a business hat on and been like, hey, Danny was the guy that was, you know, still getting paid big bucks from Quicksilver and still big bucks vans and, and, and was being Danny Cass. And then would just, all right, here's a check. Not even look, right, sign the check. Keep it going. And I think there was a hole that happened that was just pretty, you almost, you almost couldn't get out of it, you know? And, and fuck, man, I love both those guys. I, I, I love Matt and I love Danny. And, like, it's, it's, it's so hard to see families getting torn apart. But money and business and those things happen, you know? And, and it was there, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting time. And... The economy crashed in 2008. And when the economy crashed, you know, Grenade had probably had to take a hard look at itself. And there was probably 30, 40 people working there that couldn't really tell you what they did. You know, so it wasn't being run as a real business. <clears throat> and then Matt had actually hired um, Joseph Condorelli, who came in to be the, the, the basically CEO of the boss and, and, and came in and, you know, looked at everything and, and, and he was a bit of a, a, a bully himself, you know, a New York guy, kind of a hustler, and, and had kind of come in to help Matt on some stuff. And then I, I guess I like got under the books and, you know, was like, these things are pretty cooked. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you couldn't have sold the company back then when it probably should have been. It probably should have been. It could have been dollied up and, you know, there were Oakley's, there were offers from Oakley, there were offers from Quicksilver. There were offers on the table back then and, you know, I remember sitting at the table in uh, in Mammoth and when Oakley had got pretty close to buying it and it was like, what, we're going to sell this thing for a million dollars and then what? You know, like, so we just kind of kept on moving the ship. And, uh, was that yeah. what the offer was? Because I always thought I, it was like stupid I money. sat No, that was meeting. the first offer. Oh, yeah. I you was know, personally was in a meeting at Brandbase where my group offered them $1.8 million. Yeah, yeah. They, they turned it down. Yeah, but the first one came from Oakley. The first company that nearly owned Grenade was Oakley. <laughs> and things would have tried, turned out a little different if they, you guys They would have made it huge. Yeah. Oakley? Jeez, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm still best friends with Jamin and Jim Janard, and it's funny, like, ye, all the years later in 2014, we nearly sold to Jim Janard again. After he was out of Oakley in red, basically Jim had come up with a technology for the gloves to, like, not take your gloves off and use the phone, you know? So, J J uh, Jamin, the son, comes and picks me up. These dudes have sold Oakley however long ago, collected a couple billion dollars. They uh, created Red Camera. That company's worth a couple billion dollars. And, 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 and Jamin and, and Jim had brought us to... Uh, Jim was a huge drag, ra drag race fan. So, we get taken to a drag race event with him. We spend two days with Jim Jannard 
on his bus smoking cigars and talking about the product and talking about how we can do it. And Jim and Jamin were in the technology. They couldn't just get the technology right. So it was like, we're just not going to do it again. So that, that, that was 2014 again. And that was, that would have been another crazy offer. Mm-hmm. You know what wild, I mean? And it's wild. kind of sit on it. But like to, to, to go back to it, it was in 2008, everything had kind of fallen apart. People were pissed. The original core people kind of hadn't been paid for doing small things, understandably. There was a bunch of people working at the company that probably didn't know what they were doing. And then there was a warehouse full of video games that should have been full of product. There was real estate kind of all over the place. California mammoth. And it was just a hot mess. You know, China probably hadn't been paid its taxes. There was just things that were kind of all over the place and it had to get buttoned up. And, 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 you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. And I remember that. I remember it. it that hurt me, dude. That hurt me. It hurt Danny, you know, because I, I felt like I, I personally hadn't, you know, done anything wrong. I don't think Danny had personally at that time done anything wrong. He just didn't really know. He wasn't at the helm, you know. And, 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 and people are quick to forget of, you know, the person and how giving he is. And it was, it was just one of those, like, Weird times, man, and like end of two thousand eight when I like I ended up in a huge depression, man. Like I like I fucking I couldn't deal with it, you know. Because at that time too, we had the TV show about to come out. The TV show had hit, and then the company we were we were filming second season of the show when the economy crashed, you know. And if we didn't have that TV show, the company probably could have folded too, you know. It could have happened so quickly. But I would like, you know, spent you know, the last six years or whatnot and, and, and everything that happened my way, you know, from coming to America, the snow, like, you know, the snowboarding going the way that did or ending up in the group that I did and then ending up announcing and being, you know, one of snowboarders, you know, biggest announcers at that time, you know, I hosted the U S open when I was 17, you know, and, and, and I was dealing with like pressure stuff, but not really understanding it, just doing it. And, and then when 2008 and the economy crashed, and we had all these problems with Grenade and we had this show and all these things. And I just like, I just tapped out, you know, I had all people that I thought were my best friends that like wouldn't talk to me. And I was like, fuck, like that sucks. And Danny was dealing with his own stuff mentally. And dude, like I felt deeply sick. And in 2008, it was like every day I'd wake up and think, is this the day? And then I'd go to bed at night, like, all right, one more night. And I thought about committing suicide almost every single day for a year until I got home one day and one night and, you know, ate everything in the cabinet. Fucking done. On the floor, chick finds me, black tar, throw up everywhere, and then I wake up in the hospital. And I'm like, every pill in the cabinet? Everything gone. And I wake up in the hospital, and I'm just like, fuck. Still here. And that's when, like, the real work begins. Because you're like... You've you've gone in a you've gone in a, a headspace which you've tried to you've tried to hide it and you've been so good at hiding it. I like I like got really big. You know, that always happens. I'm like a I'm like a sad eater. But that was like the only really way you could tell that I was sick. I would go about every single day, like, all right, go out and do my job, film this, do that, show up at a you know, a say like a trade show. And then every night just like fuck, I don't wanna be here. I remember being like hotel in Vegas and just being like, fuck, I wish this window was gone. I could just, and it was, fuck man. It was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a hard, it was a hard road to come back. And like 2009 was probably the hardest year of my life of me trying to like figure everything back out and trying to keep the ship moving, you know? And we got, we got, we just got lucky on, 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 on the fact that we had a show. And at the time there was, you know, the company was able to come back 
And we started doing bigger numbers in like 2010 and 11 than we were in 04 or 05. People don't remember the company was big, but the company wasn't shipping like crazy numbers back then. It was doing like six, seven, you know, million in sales. When we came back out of it, it was fuck. It was, it was, it was, it was big, but man, it was like, I don't know, dude. I just like, I, I, I was probably still a teenager at heart and hadn't grown up. There was no, like, no one telling me mentally how I should deal with this. There was no one telling me how to deal with my finances. There was no one telling me how to deal with my professional life. There was no one telling me anything. I had no, I had no, I had no guidance, you know? And, 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 you know, I think Danny was a little bit the same way, but he was still focusing on doing what he had to do, you know? And we're just, you know, at the end of the day, we've always been lucky, you know, and still today we still have each other. But I remember those times of like, man, everyone hates me. And I was like, I got the Trans World Awards. I think it was that year, 2000. It was before I, it was before I, I, I had like fallen sick. I got on stage and the whole room booed me. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, your peers, everyone hates you. I was like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a nice guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I can, I can vouch crazy. for that. I think that's, uh, I didn't know that happened. That's going back. I hear a bunch of stuff there and I, I, you know, it's, it's almost common with people that sit in that chair, you know, that have, have battled, uh, you know, depression or suicidal thoughts and, or whatever it is, you know, everybody, I think as humans, we all inherently have struggles. It's just, this is how it is. But it's, it's funny. Cause when you see somebody like yourself, who's like, yeah, at the time you have your own TV show and you're announcing all these contests and you have fame and you're getting paid and, you know, people look at that person and say, oh, he doesn't have the same problems I do, you know, and uh, I think that sometimes people aren't ready for that fame and that money. And yep. and it's just, I think it's, I just applaud you for bringing that up because there's people listening to this that are probably struggling, thinking they're the only one going through it. So it's good to talk about. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it means a lot to me now, you know, and it took me a long time to be able to like, be proud of those, be proud of those struggles, be proud of like what you went through. <clears throat> Shit, that took me years to overcome that years to, 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 to be able to stand up and, and say that. And, and also I'm not going to lie, like in the middle of that, you know, I fell into a party phase. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm hanging out with other people too. While all this stuff's kind of happening. And I'm sure people are like, Oh fuck that dude. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's easy. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget Mark Frank Montoya. Love the guy, you know? And, and he was, you know, one of only very few people that like, Rather than being enthralled by it or talking shit about it, pull me aside and just say, hey, man, where you're at right now, there's two ways. You can either open a door and go down a hole and you never be seen again, or you can open a door and you can make something yourself. I remember being like, I looked up to Mark Frank. I like had, you know, when I'd done the MTV Made episode in 2006, I lived at the the Hotel the Block in in, uh, in, in in Tahoe. And, 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 just, <laughs> Style guy. Always looked up to that guy. You know what I mean? So it was like, I, I, I listened to that. Nobody else had ever really given me advice. You know, Sal Kayla gave me advice, in the, uh, uh, lots of advice in the early days. And like, you know, but there were there, there were very few people that like uh, had, had, had really given me like good advice like that. And, and even to go back, like, you know, if it wasn't for Pat Bridges, I, I definitely wouldn't be who I am today or I wouldn't have had the career I had, you know. And, and Pat being able to like, in those early days, be able to like, kind of like spot it. He's very good at spotting talent or like finding a place for somebody, you know? And he said at that time, you know, not everyone can, you know, not everyone can be a pro snowboarder, but you have this talent. And it was the world, the Waterville, Waterville world quarter pipe championships that Travis won. Legendary event. 
that was like the first real event I I announced, you know. And uh, apart from that superbug, which I like, I, I had a megaphone. I think I maybe had a megaphone there, but that led me to announcing the Grand Prix series, you know, which then led me to host the U.S. Open, and I ended up hosting the U.S. Open. They brought me in to host the Rail Jam. I was hosting a lot of Rail Jams back then. It was a Rail Jam. I was there. It was a Rail Jam era. Yeah, it was a Rail Jam era. People were making cash at Rail Jams. Eddie Wall, MFM, like, yeah, Goon, like, it was like... You know, and I was kind of on that circuit, but they brought me in to do the Rail Jam, and then they had me host the entire weekend, and then I hosted the U.S. Open for five or six years or something like that. And and also, too, like, I fucked up on some stuff there. Like, I, I got, you know, a little in my head, you know, I'm a little, you know, and I'd show up late for work. I'd be out partying or some of the Grand Prix. I just kind of, like, would show up a day late. And this is shit that I wish that, like, if I go back in time, I would do things a little differently. But I, again, there was no one giving me real advice, you know, at that point. So it's like I started, you know, one of the biggest regrets I have is that I never announced the Olympics, you know, and I was supposed to announce the Olympics in 2006. I'd announced all the qual- pre-qualifiers, done everything kind of right, and then it just got handed to Duncan. And more people would be around and more professional, and I think that kind of, like, that hurt me a little bit. But rather than, like, sticking it out, I was like, I kind of treated that brand wrong. And I wish I never treated them wrong. And, like, there's things that I would have... And even, like, the last U.S. Open I hosted, I was a mess. I, like, wasn't sleeping. I was out raging. And, like, they knew it. They just didn't hire me the next year. So, like, the last year I showed up there, we were filming the TV show. And I was just there hanging out with Danny. And that was the last time Danny won the U.S. Open. But they didn't hire me because I was a mess. You know? And it was like, it's fucking... It was apparent. And they knew it. They you knew it. hear yeah. it in your voice. And yeah. Shit. yeah. Like, your oldest son don't have a voice on You know what day I mean? Two. They're like, fucking, oh, I hear Dingo's being at some house for two days, and they're trying to find me to bring me to work. Like, that's fucked up. Well, I, I want <laughs> to... good I wanna, you could admit that, right? Look at it. Hearing that, if it's... This is something that I was excited to ask, knowing you're coming on the show. And you look at, um, you know, most people are, you know, they, they want to set... a a career and they're like, okay, I want to be a pro snowboarder or I want to do this or I want to do that. Uh, and, and for you, you've made a career kind of being you, I would, you know, like you don't even have a fucking real job title. It's like, what are yeah. you, there's no, it's like, he's the dingo. I mean, what the fuck like, he, you know, he does like, you know, announces stuff and he's a celebrity, he's a personality and he gets paid to go to fucking NASCAR events. And I guess, um, you know, like it, it's a rare quality these days where somebody is authentically themselves. And, you know, do you have any type of like, I'm just kind of fascinated in how you found your lane. And do you have advice for people like finding them la- their lane and being themselves and shit like that? Man, it's kind of funny because like I think all I ever wanted to be was be a pro snowboarder, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like that didn't happen in the way I wanted it to happen. So all these other things happened. I didn't want to go home and stop building houses because that's what I was going to have to do. You know, and, and, and when the microphone got handed to me, I was still a teenager, you know, and I just would utilize that power. That power ended up getting me paid. You know, I made a career out of that. And then, like, the jackass thing was big, you know, and we'd been linked in with Tremaine and, and those guys, and I was like, fuck, I want a TV show. And with what me and Danny had, had going on, and I don't know, I just kind of stepped from one thing to the next. And, you know, I remember, like, ended up in L.A. being like, all right, like, Here's another big fishbowl. How do we, like, conquer this fishbowl, you know? And I, uh, again, right place, right room. Meet Rob Dyrdek around 2007, you know, and Robin Big had just taken off. He'd put me on the original Robin Big episodes. And so I was learning from people that were doing it at the highest level. And I was like, all right, I think I can, I think I understand this. And I think I know how I can t- take this and pitch that. And that's where, like, the Danny and Dingo pitch kind of came from. And 
you know, it's, 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 and I was, I was, I was telling you earlier, like, it's, it's weird that it took me a long time to realize just to wake up and be you is going to take you very far, right? Here I am surrounded by Danny Cass, Rob Deerdick, Kerry Hart, Selmas Kaler, all these people, right? And you're like, all right, like, I wanted to be them in all, in all different facets, you know, but like waking up in the morning and trying to be Rob Deerdick, you can't, you can't do that. You can take his trait or his quality. And I think that's also what fucked me up in my head too. Cause while everything was going on, I was, I was still trying to figure out my own identity and, and trying to find your own identity. It's some of the hardest, one of the hardest things to do, but like, you got to look in the mirror and say, I love you. And that's a fucking hard thing to do, you know, and looking in the mirror and saying, I love you means you love yourself, which means you're proud of yourself. And, in all of that, I was still not proud of myself. It wasn't until I commit suicide or to try to commit suicide fucking that I'd gone through all this shit and like still come out of it. And I still didn't know who I was, you know? And then, and then, and then it, it took me so long to like wake up and understand that. And, and, and it's, it's just, you just, it, it's so important to be you, you know, and, 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 and to be proud of who you are. And it's, 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 it's tough. It's harder. It's easier to said than done, but it's, 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 I really, I truly believe that. What's the turning point in your depression that got you out the other side? Man. So I, um, I met a guy named Mike Smith who, uh, who's now one of my partners in find your grind, which is a self discovery platform we have that help young kids find career paths and jobs in the 21st century. And that's what I've spent the last, you know, four or five years building, um, with, uh, Nick Gross and, and, and Natasha and, and it was, I showed up at a golf tournament, Sheckler's golf tournament. Um, I forget what year it was, but, uh, Ryan's mom, Gretchen was like, I want you to meet this guy. And Mike had won a competition, uh, of video thing and then been flown out to be a part of Ryan's celebrity golf tournament. So I meet Mike and, and Gretchen's like, he's a, he's a public speaker. He speaks in high schools and, and, does, and, and, and has, you know, an amazing platform. And I'd actually originally, like, gone to, like, see him speak at a school in Huntington Beach. And I had a friend of mine, that Josh Wood, that I'd watched break his back snowboarding when we were kids. And he had this miraculous story. You know, he'd built this jump across the road gap, didn't make the gap, broke his neck, but was, was, was said he'd be a quadriplegic for the rest of his life. He ended up being able to walk. His body's fucked up, but he could never walk, walk a normal job. But insurance kind of, like, they'd give him a, like, he didn't get paid out family lost millions of dollars and I wanted him to be able to tell his story. So I was trying to understand how like speakers speak and I'd really gone to meet Mike to try and uh, link him in with Josh, which I did. Josh had come over. Josh had a book come out. We promoted it on the Jason Ellis show on Sirius XM and he'd done some small, he'd d- 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 done some things over here. But I went to this high school and I saw Mike speak for the first time and he made the uncool kids cool and the cool kids uncool and they're 11th and 12th graders and I was like, whoa, how the fuck did you do that? The next thing you know, I'm on a plane to Lincoln, Nebraska, a place I'd never heard of. Barely knew where Nebraska was. And and he's got a 30,000 square foot warehouse out there called The Bay. And, and and I'm like, I don't know how you do it or what you're doing, but I'm here to help. And at the time, he was going like backpack to backpack, school to school, basically showing up and then speaking. And he was like doing 300 and 350 dates a year, and there's only like 250 school days a year. He was doubling down. I'm like literally flying all over the country, and I was just... I was just amazed at how he was able to give kids hope, you know? And for me, I had this story to tell that I'd wanted to tell, you know? 
the TV show had been ended. I'd taken a year off. I lived in Malibu for like, you know, it was like, you know, a, a year and a half and, 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 and took time to myself. And it was like, what do you want to do? And there were all these other things that were kind of coming at me. I'd been talking with Jeff Tremaine. I ended up shooting like a couple shows at MTV that kind of just never came to air. But in that, while that was happening, I like was for the first time in my life since I was a teenager, what do you want to do in life? And the next thing you know, I was able to start telling my story to kids about my depression. At the time, I was on MTV's Ridiculousness. So I could literally walk into any school in 2010, 2011. Every kid knew who I was. You know, holy shit, this thing. And then I'd sit there and I'd tell a story about my depression and how I overcome it and, 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 and would tell my story. And I feel like being able to save one kid's life for me was all I wanted to do, help out. And here I am talking to these kids, talking to kids that are being suicidal, talking to kids that are trying to commit suicide, talking to dark kids, you know. And at the end of the day, everyone just wants to be heard. And knowing that, like, I went through the same thing that I was too embarrassed to talk to my family about it. I was too embarrassed to talk to my friends about it. I was too embarrassed to talk to my peers about it. I was, like, I was too embarrassed to talk about my situation, which ended up leading me to almost not be here. So for me to be able to stand up or, or have a conversation with a kid and, and, and listen to their story... It was like therapy, you know, mm -hmm. and then that kind of just kind of grew and, and, and helping kids out and then just the, the, the snowball effect of, you know, where Find Your Grind came from and, and, and where, where, where I wanted to go. And I remember my friends being like, what are you doing in middle America? I was like, I don't know, <laughs> but I enjoy it. <laughs> Man, that's super badass. Yeah. Uh, that's Find Your Grind for the listeners, if you're unfamiliar. A couple things I wanted to bookmark there. What I hear when you're talking about that, it's like, you kind of found your purpose, right? And then to re to rewind back to what you were saying earlier about the self-love stuff, if anybody's looking for some actionable advice, uh, there's a great book called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Super easy read, but it's along those lines of what you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just that that find your grind is is killer. Thank you for doing that and, and getting the kids on the right trajectory and talking about it. And another footnote is like, if you're feeling a certain type of way, fucking talk about it. It's 2021. Yeah. People don't give a shit. It's not like people think everybody's, oh, if I say something, it's going to be a big deal. And it's like fucking chances are the guy sitting next to you is going through the same shit too. So just fucking talk about Especially it. Especially in 2021, right? Yeah. Everyone's more depressed than ever. We'll link your website as well. I was on yeah. there last night. It's amazing. Cool. Just the stories on there. and Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah, no, Job well done. Appreciate that. And it's, it's an ever-growing thing. You know, before COVID, we had a huge partnership with Amazon and we were doing 20, 30,000 30, kid festivals at, you know, CU Boulder and USC. And, and it's a bummer that that's, you know, on hold, but it, it'll come back and, we're uh, our, our, our new apps in beta, and 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 the new apps gonna be like like the website, but ten thousand minutes of exercises and and careers linked, and and it's assessments, and it's just it, your journey will be different than my journey. Your journey, we do. Everyone will have their own journey, and basically at the end of it, it will show you your skill sets, and then what careers are best suited for you, and what degree you need or don't need. And it looks you know, like you're finding them cool careers too, like along the action it. sports, and what you know, if this guy's good at art and creative, maybe he's a clothing designer. This guy's good at talking to people. We'll get him out talking to people and find their lane. That's that's awesome. Well, that's it. If I'm, trying, I'm telling people to be doctors and lawyers, then the, the people aren't going to buy it, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Play to, your, play to your strong suits. Well, no one told all of us that when we were young, right? I know, right? We, we just had to go move somewhere and make friends and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, so uh, to move things along, um, you know, as your, your career, your newfound career is developing and you are kind of getting into – this announcing world and, and this personality world, 
Um, we, we on the show have a breakout moment, which is presented by Pub Beer. So let's get into that. Let's get into our breakout moment presented by our friends over at Ten Barrel and Pub Beer. Pub Beer supports us, and you should support them. Their tagline is Cheap Fun Beer. Now, before the announcing and the snowboarding became a big, serious career, back when it was cheap and fun, do you have a memorable breakout moment for us? Memorable breakout moment. In my snowboarding back in the early Let's days? Let's go more maybe announcing because I feel like that's where you found your path. Like you're, 100%. Uh, yeah. You know, it would just have to be like one of the U.S. Grand Prix with like Mark Sullivan. You know, Mark Sullivan kind of like helped me kind of along my way there, kind of, you know, sit in the booth and he kind of showed me how it was done. And I just remember being able to like do a full day of qualifying and a full day of finals. And I just, I, I you know, I think it was maybe like the Grand Prix in Mammoth. In like 2003, you know, and I remember hosting my first like full day of finals and, you know, having Sullivan and Bridges and those guys behind me. But that I'd say that was my breakout moment of like hosting the finals of the Grand Prix, you know, in like 2003. And knowing you could make a career with it, huh? Being told I could. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know how it was going to work. <laughs> but they everyone were like, you're good at this. <laughs> yeah, everyone has told me it would be good. <laughs> Beautiful. I think it might be time to get into some uh, some hot takes. Woo! Yeah, people are liking the hot takes. Uh, first hot take, who is the MJ of snowboarding? MJ of snowboarding? Like, that's the king? Is he the king? Is MJ still the king? Michael Jordan. I mean, he's Michael Jordan, man. But, I mean, fucking, he's the king. Yeah. All right. Michael Jordan of snowboarding. Man, it's like, I guess it's Terrier. Common answer? Let's Is that a answer. common That's the answer com- I like yeah, to throw common out. Answer. It depends, it depends um, like, what you're, where you're from and what, yeah. what your generation you is. You know, it's like, I got to, like, go pre-me, you know, and then I got to, like, Travis Rice, for me, he's got to be in there because he's, I mean, I don't think, I don't think people are going to do what he did on a snowboarder. Like, I don't think we're going to see that again. Yeah. I could be wrong. It could be, it could happen. But I don't think we're going to see that for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, what would you say the worst trend in snowboarding is? Well, I tried to say the saggy pant thing, but, you know, <laughs> it's like you got you guys are still doing it. I'm still sagging. I'm still sagging. That's okay. It can still be a bad trend. You know, it's all, uh, you know. I don't want to upset Lane. Lane um, still rocks a fat sag. Yeah. <laughs> Lane Knack. Let's give him a quick air horn. He does. Okay, um, what's your take on the beaver slap in the lift line when you got your snowboard on and you kind of give it that that whack, you know? I love a good slap. Yeah? Yeah. You hit a slap Don't out there? You? Oh, yeah. I love a good slap Rooney. Dude, we got sent a video last night of like 10 people beaver slapping and just at the bottom. <laughs> I was so stoked. Well, beaver slap all day. <laughs> Perfect. Um, you know, I kind of want to tell a quick story. Okay. Of uh, why I fuck with the dingo. And uh, we may have touched on it in Zach Hale's episode, but we were in, uh, what, Annecy, France. Yeah. Um, and there was a film festival out there called The Reels, and I think Monster was a big sp- yep. sponsor of it, and you were announcing all the stuff, and me and Hale, I ended up getting blacked out drunk and was in this VIP area where I shouldn't have been. And uh, basically, there's a guy who's trying to, like, Fuck with me. They were, like, pushing me around. Hale came, had my back, ripped his shirt off, got in a fight. Bouncer grabbed him, choked him out, dragged him down the stairs, threw him down the stairs, punched him in the face, maced him. I got dragged down the stairs. Uh, I'm a, it's a little blurry, but I remember you took care of me and fucking Zach Hale that night, and I didn't even really know you. 
And yeah. ever since then, I've been like, Dingo is the fucking shit, dude. Yeah, I've been around. I've I, I've seen I, I've seen that stuff my whole life. You know what I mean? And and that and 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 that and that bar club we were at, it was sketchy, man. And it's like, especially you know, especially in France, and 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 when, just be anywhere you're international, man. You got to be careful. And I just, I saw that coming all night. You know what I mean? And I've been on the other end of it. I've been beaten up by security guards. I've been hauled down. I've had the crap kicked out of me. I've been thrown into weird rooms, you know, because I've been in a situation to where I thought, like, what's happening to you guys? But those guys were going to take advantage of you. Those guys are going to fuck you up. And, like, I just, I just been there too many times. My brother, you know, coming from, you know, I'd seen it. And and that's exactly what my brother would have done. And and for you guys, like I ain't gonna get, I ain't gonna let people, you know, take advantage of kids like that. God damn it, love hearing that. I think it's easy when you're overseas too to get too comfortable, and those guys will really try to take advantage of you. So good, good on you. Well, this is this is a perfect time for our guest question, which is presented by Solomon Snowboards. Um, I read the Solomon District bindings. You know, um, personally for me, they're my favorite bindings. I put them on every single board I ride. That's the only bindings I asked for from Solomon. So if you're looking for a binding, get yourself to Solomon Districts. With that, we're going to get into the guest question from none other than Lucas Magoon. Grenier and Stony Buds, what's good, Bombhole, once again? I hear you got Luke Nathan Trimbath in the building tonight. What's good, Dingo? Well, got a couple questions for you. How about, how old was I? When I started using your driver's license to get to the after parties until I was 21. Also, are we going to see back-to-back sevens this year for the Goon Gear short film? <laughs> Man, I haven't done a 720 in probably nine years. <laughs> it's a tall order. It's a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can do a 720 in right here. Yeah. Spinny chair. In the spinny chair. Uh, how old was he? I don't know. He must have been like 16 or something. I'd say that's probably about right. Right? You were announcing all those contests when he won like six figures. Yeah, he was winning a lot of money. And you were hyping him up on the mic. Yeah, I was like, oh, hi, man. It's a great era. Man, I used to like, fun fact, I don't know a fun fact, but like I used to get migraines every time I announced. So, like, by the time I was, like, doing finals and having to give awards away, I'd have this, like, crazy migraine. Every every contest. Just ever. from going so ham on the mic yeah. or what? Yeah. I'd Just never giving ne- it your all. I never learned how to use my voice. <laughs> Wild <laughs> shit. Isn't that crazy? The gnarliest crazy. migraines. <laughs> Probably <laughs> just not drinking enough water out there. Drinking. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the guest questions, I'm, I got another quality guest question presented by Solomon from none other than Louis Vito. Here we go. What up? This is Louis Vito. I got a question for Dingo. Dingo, which vehicle is better for smashing snowballs on the way up to Big Bear? A Magnum or a Suburban? And can you tell me a little bit about that matte black Suburban? Thank you. Yeah, one of the dumbest things I ever did, um, I bought a, uh, I bought a, uh, I had a Dodge Magnum. (laughs) Sick Dodge Magnum for a while. Hannah Beeman, shout out. She had the first one, I think. The, the old Hemi. And me and Louie were on our way up to uh, Big Bear. And uh, I saw what I thought was like a huge snowball. Like, you know, and they roll off the mountain and they roll on the side and they're on the road. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to line this thing up and just explode it. 
I lined the thing up and it, ex- it disintegrated my rim. Ooh. We were going pretty fast too. Coming into a corner and just lined that thing up and... It was a rock? Slid, it was a gigantic boulder. <laughs> and that road is windy and sketchy. Yeah, and Kyle was... lived in Big Bear for a while. And so... That Dodge, that Dodge lived a lot of places. It was in Reno for like eight months or something out the front of Bob Klein's house. And then it got moved to LA where it like sat in LA and like rotted out. I got a phone call because it was sitting out the place in Los Angeles and it was on, it, 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 had, it had been on the road too long or something. So somebody that was at the house was like, oh, uh, we went outside in your cars on the tow, on the tow thing. I said, get it off. The tow driver says that once it's on, it doesn't come off. That's the word. <laughs> so then I don't know where I was and then it ended up in a Hollywood fucking lot somewhere. I had to pay thousands of dollars for it to come out. And the reason why that car had been left so many places is because the, the matte black Tahoe was the original Robin Big Tahoe. So when Robin Big ended, Derek at the time was just like kind of him and Big had had that falling out and he was starting Fantasy Factory, was doing his own thing. Me and Rob were neighbors at that time. And Rob had kind of become like he was an idol, but it also had become kind of like a mentor to me, you know. And, 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 and he basically said... Uh, you know, I was like, well, what are you doing with that truck? He's like, well, you know, I'll let me let me see how much I still owe on it. And then whatever I owe on it, you just pay that. And he'd, MTV had paid for the whole dolly up. It was like the first real matte black painted car, like painted. Under the trims, the whole thing was matte blacked out. The rims were gnarly. The windows were super gnarly done. The whole thing had been tricked out for the TV show. And um, and uh, he owed 26000 so we uh, we paid him for it twenty six thousand in ones. We went to like four different banks and cleaned out all the banks. We went to one Bank of America down the road from the Laurel Canyon house and took thirteen thousand. We cleared the bank out of it once and had to go to a bunch of different other banks. So we got twenty six thousand in ones and then dropped a huge duffel bag of ones at Rob's house and fucking we made it rain. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome! God damn it, that's incredible. <laughs> Let's talk about the Icon Season Pass. They are launching their new season passes for the 21-22 season. Own the season, own the stories, own the stoke. Now, there are more than 40 unique Icon Pass destinations. One of my favorites being Brighton Resort. One of my favorites also, Snowbird. With exclusive spring savings, including special pricing for the 2021 pass holder renewals, savings on passes for kids, and... A new payment plan for how much, buds? Zero dollars down and zero percent APR. Right now, take advantage of limited springtime pricing, including the Icon Pass. For how much, buds? $999 is the adult price. That unlocks the most days, the most mountains, and, super important, no blackout dates. They also have the Icon Base Pass. For how much, buds? $729 for adults. That opens up a season of adventure with limited blackout dates. Lastly, they have the Icon Pass 4-Day. How much is that, buds? The adult price is only $3.99. That allows you to kickstart your ride. Also, you get credits in the event of a COVID-19 closure with the option to defer the value of an unused past. No questions asked. Every moment spent in the mountains is a new opportunity for discovery and connection because as the mountains connect us, these unique communities are what hold us together. Here at the Bomb Wall, we deeply care about communities, huh, buds? Community is all we got. Own the season, own the stories, own the stoke. Discover pass options and claim your moments in the mountains at iconpass.com. 
Okay, Dingo. Uh, one thing I want to talk about that I'm sure a lot, most people know that are listening, maybe they don't, is that you were on Jason Ellis's show on Sirius for 12 years. Yeah. A, how did that come about? B, what did you learn from being on the air that long? Yeah, so you're going to laugh at this one, boys. I grew up snowboarding with his younger brother, Stevie, who passed away, RIP Stevie. But Stevie mm-hmm. used to be on the Junior Worlds team with me. And uh, and it's crazy because you always talk about his brother, Jason Ellis, who growing up as a kid, like, he'd made it, you know? He's in America, vert skater, Tony Hawk, like, like fucking Jason Ellis. So the first time I meet Jason, and Jason don't even remember this, it was the Red Bull house in at X Games in 2001, or two and and he was sleep he was there he was passed out on the floor with like two girls passed out on the floor face down a leather jacket that was the first time I saw him but I never you know he was passed out he was you know and then um, the first time we met he had me come on the radio show at the two thousand eight X Games and I was a guest and then basically they brought me in like the end of that year as like a one off guest like a recurring guest. And then I became a, like basically a permanent fixture on the show by like 2009, you know. And 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 when that had happened, the show was still grassroots. It was on Faction. Uh, it was on Faction, which was the the Punk Channel, Channel 41, and it wasn't even supposed to be a real show. Like he started out as a VJ. He got hired as a VJ. Sirius XM had just started growing, and 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 they got Tony Hawk to have his own show, like an hour show. And the executives were at the uh, X Games, and Jason's hiking up the, me- the 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 mega ramp, cussing, pissed off. They're like, "Who's that guy?" And he's like, "Oh, that's Jason. This guy's got some light to him. Like, let's put him on as a VJ." So, basically, you know, co-signed by Tony Hawk, Jason got a job um, VJing at Faction, which then slowly grew into, um, you know, a, a talk show where he, you know, he got a guy named Mike Tully, who was from New York, media background. Um, another guy, Kevin Croft, who had worked under Howard Stern, and it was kind of slowly becoming the next Howard Stern, and he had then been put on Howard Stern, and that's when the show, well, the show had already was big, had a big core audience, you know, and 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 like we were just talking about, there are you know lots of people out there that need to hear hear real facts about life, and Jason Jason had always been open, he's like an open book, you know, about everything in his life, even to the point about. Opening up and coming out and you know telling everybody he's you know bisexual and 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 you know the core. I remember jumping to the car one day and for me like I grown up around that and 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 I I have a lot of gay friends from just previous relationships and whatnot and 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 when he had come out and basically told me he was gonna do it. And come out on air and basically, you know, and, and and there are a lot of his friends in the background that, like, almost shamed him for it. So, like, I just, you know, had had stuck by a burly, burly man who's covered in tats, who's a skater, MMA fighter, the last guy you would think. And here he is blurting out and, you know, telling people his secrets or just being open. And, and, and I think the reason why Jason's show has been so successful and that there's so many core audiences there is because he lets everyone tell their story and everybody's eh, 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 nobody's excluded. You know what I mean? And, and, and Jason was very good at telling the shit that happened in his life, whether that mean the stuff that happened with, 
you know, his father and then as a kid and like shit that was like fucking gnarly stuff for people to talk about. But Jason's on the radio being honest about how this happened and how he ended up this way and, and, and how this fucked up part of his life has now made him who he is. And again, there's a lot of people out there that need to hear that. And he built this core audience of people that felt like they listened to him and felt like they had a place. Um, you know, and then, and then, and then it grew, you know, the show was, you know, one of the number one talk shows on Sirius XM for long, long, long time. Like, you know, a couple million listeners a day at some point. And, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was, he's kind of like, he's, you know, he's like my brother, you know, and I was able to co-host and sit next to him. And, you know, we started, when I started with him, we were in a tiny little shithole shoebox, you know, and by the time, you know, I ended there, we were in a multi-million dollar studio in Sirius XM with like, you know, the biggest, you know, the, the the most famous people in the world walking by the studio, coming in, interviewing him. You know, it's like, I, you know, fucking interviewed, got to interview, you know, Chelsea Handler, Ozzy Osbourne. It's like the people coming in there, you're like, oh, this is different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what in that, uh, you know, five days a week sitting in that chair live show, that much time on air, like, what did you learn? Uh, you learned... You learn whatever you say. Make sure you can back it up. Okay. A lot of people call you out or what? Yeah. Don't ever. I always got Bridges calling us out on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Whether know, it's sure a guest people, or I'm sure us people or... will call, call, call me out. But then the thing is, like, whatever you say, make sure you can back it up because you get called out real quick. You know, um, uh, don't, ever, don't, ever, don't ever do drunk radio. I learned that's that that's re- a bad move. Yeah, I learned that real quick, too. You know, um... So it's, it's, you got to be on point. It's, 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 you got to be sharp. But like for us, it's like, we kind of had a science. It's like, I never overly took it too seriously. Um, again, even like when I was, you know, in the Danny and Dingo days, like the TV show, like Danny's, you know, two-time Olympic silver medalist, however many X Games medals, US Open, how many US Open champions? Like he's the, he's the, the snowboard guy. The, 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 and then I was the punching line. You know what I mean? I knew my role. You know, I got a, you want to, you got a TV show. You want to entertain people. You want to make people laugh. Same as the radio. You know, Jason drive the ship. I kind of find my moments, jump in, jump out, kind of like yourself, you know? And it's like, you find your moments to be funny. You find your moments to stand out. You find your moments to say what you want to say. And then you kind of get out. Um, you know, don't make it too much about yourself. You know, you got to really like, let it be about, whoever it is, but also it's like, you know, you've got some days you'd have guests, you know, some of the biggest fucking stars in the world. And some days they're not, some days you're just, you know, telling dick jokes and making people laugh. And I think we were good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. One of the highlights of this show particularly was, uh, Easton mentioned that he touched a uh, horse's penis. It was one of the softest things he's ever touched in his life. Softest material. (laughs) And I I still swear by that. Yeah. But going back to what you're talking about. It's a funny story. I think at one point we had had a, uh, a horse's penis, a dead horse's penis, shipped to the studio. So, yeah. Oh, going down the same road, eh? <laughs> you know, it's something that... I didn't touch it. <laughs> I looked at it. You can't, you can't, at it. You can't verify the uh, softness level. Who did you ship the horse's penis to? I think it got shipped to the studio. Shipped to the studio. Yeah, standards and practice didn't really pick up on us until we got into the big studio. And then what standards and practice is like, you can't do this, you can't do that. It kind of took, took took the fun out. But some of the weirdest things I've 
ever seen in my life. I've seen in in that rate in, in in that booth. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys ever heard of the fish called a sea robin in the East Coast? Mm-mm. Unfamiliar, dude. They're crazy. And I explained what they were to my buddy Travis Wood, and they're like this goblin-looking fish that has wings and arms and this crazy mouth. Told it to Travis, he'd never believe me. And one day I caught one and shipped it to him in dry ice, <laughs> and he about freaked out. When he, I'll I'll make sure we cue one up in the photos. They're the craziest-looking fish you've ever seen. There it is. That's beautiful. Uh, go, going back to what we're talking about being in the booth, this is kind of a personal thing with us, but one thing that is cool because we have a lot of guests come in, and you know, a lot of, especially the younger guests, they're very self-conscious about what they say and how they sound. And the more, I mean, you've had so much time behind a microphone, you realize at a certain point in time, nobody gives a shit. Nah. Like, right? Did you, did you ever experience that? Yeah, so it's like, once I realized, well, once I was being paid to be a radio show, you don't realize you're a radio show host, you're like, shit, there's a check shows up in the mail. Guess I'm a radio show host. (laughs) (laughs) From one of the biggest companies in media. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, you see the the, the thing on the bottom, Scott Greenstein, CEO of fucking Sirius XM. I don't think he knows who I am, but he signs the checks. Um, I, uh, I started listening to Howard Stern, but I'd never listened to talk radio before. So then I started to study talk radio and I quickly realized that again, dude, don't study it. Don't do what he did. You got to be you. So I had these moments where it was like, it was also tough. Like, cause I was filming the TV show at the same time. And for the TV show, we'd go out and do what we do. And then we'd have to do these recaps and we'd do these recaps where we'd do it afterwards. We'd go rent a house somewhere and spend like a week and recap the entire season. And it was fucking dreadful because you got to sit there in a chair for hours just recapping and you basically get you get so drained but because i was in the middle of this all right i'm a radio show host but i'm like kind of comic guy and then i'm a storyteller guy on another side and the two the the stories are told in two different ways and the producer of the show would be like dang you're back in radio mode we need you back in tv like and i was i was overthinking things and by like listening to other talk radio i was like trying to imitate what they were doing again where i was like dude Stop listening to all radio. Just go on the radio and be you because people are laughing at you because you're you. Not because you're trying to be professional. Like, they would always yell at me. I think, like, I'd always cut over people. Like, the professionals would be talking and whatnot, and I'm like, ah, fucking dick joke, you know? And they're like, <laughs> we were just talking about the weather. <laughs> but that's, people thought that's funny, you know? And that was just kind of, and, and, and again, I was, tr- I was trying to be, I was just being me. You know what I mean? That's me just being me. If I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm going to, you know, wait perfectly till he stops and then I'm going to, then I'm going to leave my time and then I'm going to say what I say. It's just like, it's not me. So I think it was just, again, just be yourself. And Howard Stearns, man, he got popular by being himself. He was the first yeah. dude to get all sexually innuendo wild and do exactly. his own thing. And yeah, you can't just mimic that guy. No. He took his own path. Well, I think this brings us to a certain part of the show. Uh-huh. You know what part of the show that is, Dingo? I think I do. Or do you? Easton knows what it is. Ah, go drop it. Name that video part. (laughs) Yeah, we're in it. Um, Are we going with this? What's your confidence level zero through ten on on snowboard videos? Yes, around two thousand to two thousand six, I'm probably at about a six. Okay, that's good. That's a lot of our guests coming in with like a two or a point five. A lot of times, we shit. Get, I hope of, I didn't overdo myself. <laughs> Hopefully, you give me a grenade. Move. I like the confidence. <laughs> shit. Okay, here we go. It's nervous. Your spine, 
Full Metal Edges. That's correct. Ryder. Kyle Clancy. Holy wow. smokes, that is correct. Uh, you know what? You get yourself. You know, bingo. You good, know what? good job, dude. That was good, dude. You get yourself a bomb hole cooler yep. filled with bomb hole merch. We got a Sick. coffee mug, stickers. Uh, I think I got a hoodie in there. You got to press the button on top to open it. Child there. luck on this thing? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's crammed to the brim. So oh, here all, it is. All of the goods are available at oh, bombhole.com. If you're looking, we got a bomb hole hat, hoodie, stickers, Sick. all that good stuff. I get the idea that you don't really watch the show because you didn't know what uh, segment we were about to drop on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> He's never even seen the show. Put, put him on blast. I mean, he doesn't. You got to give He's him some He's a busy slack. guy, dude. I, I believe it. Okay, so for part two, a name that video part. This is for the listener viewers. If you know it, comment on the photo of Dingo on Instagram. Not for you. When the episode Not comes for me. up. Not if you me. know it, we'll beep it out. But I bet you won't know it. Here we go. Okay, thank you guys for playing. Name that video part. I probably could have got that one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll bleep it out if you got it. I'll I'll just answer it by saying this. I award you no points. None. And may God have mercy Back on your zero. soul. <laughs> Back to zero. <laughs> I was hoping you'd get it wrong so I could say that in the first round. <laughs> That's uh, what is what is that? I don't know what that's it's, from, uh, but that's great. Billy Madison when they were doing the ah. test, he's like, "We are all now officially dumber." Yeah, for hearing, dumber yeah. for hearing what you said. You did great. You got it right. That's incredible. Kyle Clancy, Full Metal Edges. You, oh, by the way, at the opening shot in that, Dang smashes the videotape over my head. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one thing doing my research in this, talking to Louis Vito, uh. He said, he's like, Dingo's incredible in the sense that he can be in a room full of Fortune 500 CEOs and, you know, and not even know that they're Fortune 500 CEOs, but just be in a room with all these people. And by the end of it, they'll they'll be best friends with them. And uh, where do you think that skill set comes from and is developed? And do you want to just talk about that? Man, I think you're just kind of born with it. Yeah. You know, like... In like 2007 or 2008, 2009, I started finding myself in different rooms, you know, and I just kind of realized that like I have a power of being able to go into a room and be impressionable in a good way. So I just kind of, you know, took that philosophy and whatever room I was in, I was able to be impressionable. Like not even, not even if you meet that person, you know what I mean? You're going to be in a room and not meet somebody, but they know you're in that room and they're like, fuck, who's that guy? I was very good at being able to do that. I think you're just born with it. Mm-hmm. I guess it's also about knowing that you have it and actually acting on it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You, you do have that effect for sure. <laughs> so, so what do you, not to be like, what is it that you do here? No, but like, <laughs> no, at Monster, your role is you go to NASCARs and, and you fucking, I can't even explain. Can you try to just explain? Matt, I don't think I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I think like sales will tell you I do one thing. Marketing will tell you I do one thing. You know, CEO tell you I do one thing. As long as he's cutting the checks, though, it's all good. (laughs) It's like I think uh, again, it's just knowing you have skill sets, right? And I've been in a company so long. I'll never forget the first time I met Rodney Sachs, who's the CEO, um, and it was me and Deerdick together, and um, he sat on the ground and talked to me. 
and we were at Supercross, I think, in Vegas, and I like, I just, I just, I just remember being like, dude, that guy's pretty genuine. South African, um, uh, Rodney and Hilton, the two owners, South African guys, and you know, I just remember how genuine he was, and I like, I'll never forget that, you know, and and um, I th- also think I was like one of the first people to like religiously wear a monster hat. It wasn't told that I had to. It was just kind of back in the day, you know, I was getting paid by Oakley. I'd been with them since I was a kid. Monster come along. And it was like Monster and Oakley and kind of Boost Mobile were in there at the time. And I just kind of became the face of those three brands. And I religiously put them on every day. I put my Monster hat on, put my Oakley sunglasses on and hang my Boost Mobile phone around my neck and off I go. You know, and I became this like public ambassador to these pretty big companies, you know, like, you know, and, and, and I knew the responsibility and back then they were using me more so to, you know, come and host an event. And then it was like, Oh, we could market him because he's pushing our logos on the TV show. You know, I saw what, what, um, Deirdick had more so done in, 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 in Robin big. And then the jackass guys of bam and those guys, how they were able to like market these brands to these big, bigger companies, you know, and, the first time I was on uh, MTV, I, like, you know, like, did some pretty big things for, like, Oakley and these people that were like, how the hell did you do that? You know, and it was seeing, following a trend of, like, all right, I see what's going on here, and, and I think I can partake in this, and people want their logos to be put where you typically couldn't get them. And I was able to, like, re- do that really well, you know, to the point to where the TV show became an advertisement for Oakley and Monster. It was just one giant billboard that they weren't paying the network for. We were just making sure it's in our contracts that we could market whatever the fuck we wanted to. You know, so it's like free marketing. You had the foresight to actually they're, include that. Yeah, and they're paying us, but like they're not they're not paying the network. The network wishes they were, and the network had probably done things differently. They, you know, would have got a nice check out of it. We were able to, you know, put the company, put companies in places th- th- that they weren't, you know, and I just kind of ended up becoming like an encyclopedia at Monster Energy, you know. I've been, the, you know, I've been hosting sales meetings there for a long time now, you know. And, yeah, I get sent to NASCAR and Monster did the 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 uh, the title sponsorship at NASCAR 2017. And, you know, Monster sends me and I show up in a, in a race suit, a fire suit. And it's fucking hilarious, you know, because we're kind of making fun of them. But here I am. And, and we're kind of sticking it to them. And the next thing they know, they got to put up with me for however many years. And, you know, I'm like, you know, the, the sidekick to Kurt Busch. We win the Daytona 500 the first time. The first day we showed up, you know, because NASCAR Daytona 500 is first. Their biggest event happens first. We show up. Kurt Busch wins the Daytona 500. I'll never forget this. We're on then. You're going to like this one. Grand, yeah. We're on the podium. And it's me, Mark Hall. The president and Mark Hall like created like the, the the can and the logo and creates all the flavors. Was the original president? He's like the bad. He's a badass. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 everyone at the company looks up to him. And it's me. We're we're on the the, the, the Daytona 500 podium. We just won the Daytona 500. It's me, Rob Gronkowski, and Mark Hall. Gronk had just missed the Super Bowl because the injury that the Patriots won. Mark elbows Gronk, the three of us. I'll never forget this. That's the confetti and champagne's flying everywhere. Pit crew's going crazy. Elbows him, looks at him, plain in the eye, and said, I never missed a college football game in my life, you pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Gronk just looks at me, and I got a couple beers in my pocket, and I slide him a beer. I'm like, you're good, dude. (laughs) 
Holy <laughs> shit, man. And then says, because they created the drink. There was the drink. The Gronk, that, yeah, the the Gronk, Gronk. drink. There was Patriot colors, and it was supposed to kind of taste like a Red Bull. And he's like, I got to flick. I got to fix your flavor, son. Do it. It's not quite right. We got to get it. And I was just like, holy shit. Welcome to Monster Gronk. <laughs> Did you know much about NASCAR before you got in Nothing. that Nothing. Yeah, that's what I figured. Nothing. <laughs> You know, I like you just cars. showed up and you were yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, but you know, for 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 for, for Monster, it's just kind of grown. You know, and it's I, I treat it like it's my own company. Uh, they've treated me very well over the years. Um, I've I've gotten to uh, d- you know do a lot of cool sales stuff. I've been able to go to a lot of cool events, F one stuff, the NASCAR stuff, all the actual sports stuff we do, all the stuff under dresser. I was at the original. Uh, a UFC fight where we were the title sponsor, where we first just became the sponsor, and it was me, Dresser, and Hans, and the deal had fallen through. It was in Vegas, and we watched them pull the mat up. They pulled the they pulled the mat up, the monster logo on, and put another mat down because legal hadn't agreed. So we'd been there to be the new sponsors, whatnot. Dana White's like, "Hey, shaking your hand, nice to meet you," and they fucking pull the mat up, and the first official monster UFC was Staples Center Ronda Rousey, where she just plows in and rips that girl's arm off in like 12 seconds. But it's just cool to be in places like that and watch it grow, you know? And Cody's Cody's like a mastermind on like being able to find Niger at the time and put him on when he was a young kid, being able to like spot the areas of marketing, being able to see the potential that MMA was going to be able to have, put Hans in there for UFC and, and Bellator and like everything we go and we kind of dominate, you know, and it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, like I, I had the original diamond monster chain, me, Deirdick and Danny have the, or- the three original ones that were made. And, and, and then that became a thing, right? All the athletes wanted their diamond monster chains. So you become this elite status and like, you know, Conor McGregor wants his chain. Conor McGregor, one of the most famous guys in the world, you know, at the time is running a diamond monster chain every single day. Cause he wants to, it's fucking you know, it's we made the lifestyle what it is, and people look at the brand, and and I think, um, you know, I've, I've played, been able to play a huge part in the way that people look at Monster, and 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 not just to you know be out there representing, but to be inside, to be in the guts of it, to be able to throw cool parties and bring you know you know the game or these rappers and just do these things in ways that you can't really do it, you know, and 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 in ways that it's like, hey, like we got a party in Aspen. Uh, for all of our athletes and, and that we do at the top there and you know they wanted the game okay the game says he'll do it I gotta figure out whatever price we gotta pay him and it's all under a budget this is like calling the game and being like hey uh, like a mate rate type like yeah Dingo I'll do it for you like whatever like but I don't wanna fly okay cool we'll get you a tour bus send him like six buses and I'm like alright like the bus he's probably going to pick is the one, the big bed in the back. And how many people are you bringing, Chuck? And he's like, oh, you know, they'll just be me and my band. Okay, cool. So we get the bus. We're going to put you up at the St. Regis, blah, blah, blah. Stressing my, stressing that he's not going to come, not going to show up. I personally put however much money in this dude's bank account. I've got his bank account details. Like, working with rappers is, 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 is something that I, 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 I wish on nobody because it's, it's, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. It's great when you get them on stage and people are happy to see the performance, but what happens to make the performance? So anyway, I get a call from the bus driver at 4 a.m. in Calabasas, and he's like, um, Dingo, there's uh, 30 people on this bus. 30 people. Supposedly coming to the St. Regis, staying the St. Regis. St. Regis is like, there's a gangbang coming to stay here. This place is gonna fucking burn to the ground or whatnot. And it's like, I'm like, all right, like finding rooms to put Chuck in and whatnot. It happens. 
game comes and does like an amazing performance, but it's it's being able to do cool shit like that for a big brand. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's being able to utilize your relationships and them know you're working hard to get them the result they want. You know, and uh, you know, I I I I, uh, I got a pretty good track record with uh, mm-hmm. w- with them. I haven't I haven't let too many people down. So. Guess you ever heard what? the conspiracy theories about Monster Energy? I mean, I hear everything. You have that it's the work of Satan. Yeah, <laughs> there's a whole conspiracy about it. It's insane. YouTube lady. Is it, all the, is it true? No, I mean, I hope not. Otherwise, right. I'm the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, going back, the the marketing strategy though is fu- is fucking genius. If you really break down that, I, I'm fascinated by it because you're like, okay, like Robin Big or whatever show. Let's say it's like. You know, if you want to guys want to buy an ad, an advertisement for TV, it'll be like three million dollars. Or we'll take this pro athlete, pay him a, who knows, let's say a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand for uh, just for the sake of the story, and we'll get him in the hat, and then he's going to be on the show, and it's like you know, we're at the bottom of the half pipe run. I just did. All right, he's there's a good chance that guy's going to win X Games. Let's make sure he's in a monster helmet, and then you know, boom, instead of paying. You know, for an ABC ad for millions of dollars, you're gonna you got this guy at the bottom of the pipe. You're getting your advertisement, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about any of that marketing stuff? Because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, man. It's like, dude, I've been around marketing my entire life. Basically, is it's all I know. You know, so it's like you guys. It's like a fascination of like, you know, you see something done, you're like, how'd they do that? You know, or how's that replica? Or like, how can you replicate that? Or how can you go down a path to like, you know? And I think it's. I think where Monster's done very well, you know, is you find the right person to put your logo on and that person's going to drive your brand. Whereas other corporate companies will be like, we tell the athlete what to do. You know, we're, we, are, we are bigger than the athlete. Whereas Monster flips it. We don't do traditional TV ads. There's not like a Monster TV campaign. You'll see an ad during a Supercross where we're promoting, you know, uh, Sage Kutzenberg's new snowboard movie, and that'll be a 30-second TV spot, but it's not a Monster ad. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a spot within a TV spot that we already have during an event we already own. You know what I mean? Monster Energy Supercross or Monster Energy's NASCAR or something that's Monster that we'd have, uh, uh, but it's not traditional advertising, right? We pay the athlete to do what they do, and then they, whether the athlete, the personality, or musician, whoever it is, the musician, well, for somebody that can't talk, I'm not very good at talking sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and they do all the work for you. Let them, perfect example, Axel Hodges, freestyle motocross guy, you know, probably one of the most well-known now freestyle motocross guys, but not a traditional freestyle motocross guy. Almost... You look at him, and I think he's like a snowboarder or a skateboarder. That's the vibe he puts off. That's kind of the people he hangs out with. And the way that he rides his motorbike, he looks like a skateboarder or somebody. He's got style. And it's not about doing double backflips or whatever it is. It's about doing cool shit, you know? And and, and you sponsor Axel Hodges, Slaygrounds 3 just came out. Unreal. You know? And you put your all your money into that guy. And the, the project that he does with his brother, Dirt Shark, and the way that that is all put together... That is so much more valuable than putting millions of dollars into a TV commercial that nobody gives a shit about, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just kind of being Monsters M.O. from the beginning. Anything we're going to do, we're going to fucking do it right. We're going to own it. X Games, U- UFC, Bellator, NASCAR, even look at F1, you know, Lewis Hamilton, Team Mercedes now. It's like, it's, 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 I look at, you know, Red Bull's got, you know, four cars going around the track, let's say, at however many hundreds of millions they're spending on that. We got two drivers flying around winning basically every race and we're paying for a helmet logo and a, and a logo on the suit. We're smoking them every weekend. Did I enjoy ever, that. When you were 16, did you ever think you'd blow up so far past snowboarding? 
Nah. I always thought I was going to have to move home and build houses. That's why I think I worked so hard because I didn't. It was always in the back of your head. Man, all my friends are like building houses that are plumbers or whatever, you know. It's like that's just your traditional Australian route, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't book smart. Now, you got on the Jason Ellis show, you fucking Aussies seem to stick together. Yeah, it's better that way. <laughs> Man, it's funny, like, we were at a, it was, there was, I can't even say who, whose birthday it was, but there was, there was a birthday, and it's people we kind of all know, and people were, and, uh, and, uh, somebody was talking shit about me and Jason, basically, just, that they were basically calling us, like, we're basically, like, like, we're Stone Age people. Like, you know, we're like baboon type style, which I kind of, I, 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 I think about it and I'm like, fuck, it's kind of fucked up to say that, you know, are we that crazy? But when I look at it, you know, we all kind of raised, like the door was kind of half open. We weren't, you know, our parents were, it was like, we kind of raised ourselves and raised by wolves. Most of our families are, you know, not alcoholics, but that's just an Australian trait to have. So it's like, we're all just very similar. And, and especially in the age demographic of like where I'm at and, 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 you know, it was, it was, we're, we're, we're very similar. And I think it's easier for us to stick together. Even in Los Angeles, I've got like a core group of Aussies that I just kind of hang out with. That's natural. I think. I mean, fuck Massachusetts. I'm from totally different, but we always stick together. Like East coasters glue. find East coasters. You know, but yeah, go, going back to we, earlier, I wanted to ask you this when you were you were going off earlier. Uh, you know, early days, you came from Australia to the United States to Mammoth at age 16, and you're getting fucked up, and nobody. Who like? Can Good we talk question. about how you were raised and how? Yeah, and your mom and Lane basically raised me. Yeah, and your mom being okay with. It. <laughs> Let's give Lane the old Lane super. Let's, crazy. let's, let's give him a super air horn. <laughs> All right, that's that's enough of that. But, so yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't. I, it's you know there was an opportunity. Um, I like where I grew up. My brother, my brother got involved at you know drugs at a young age, and there was just always you know shit was going to happen. You know, in in a in a in a not a good way. My dad had like kind of, you know, he was off overseas. I had my, it was, my mom had a boyfriend, my stepdad, who's kind of like my dad, you know, and, and, and helping out. And there was just family. There was just things that kind of weren't right. And, and the snowboarding opportunity kind of came up and my mom just kind of was like, fuck it, you know, like let it happen. So fun, like fun fact, my mom actually lived in steamboat with me that first year. She sold everything. And, and then basically we got an apartment and she was, uh, cleaning houses in steamboat for that first year. And then she had to move back home. And that's when I moved to mammoth and we're on the Eddie's couch. So like, she kind of saw the opportunity. My brother was like, just do it. Dad had kind of gone. And my brother had moved to Queensland and was trying to fix himself up. And, Everything kind of aligned right for it to happen. And my mom, like, you know, not, not, not even that long ago, like, she said, like, she was on the airplane, like, so shit scared. She had no idea what she was doing. And here I am just like, ah, like, and then when she had to come back and then leave me, it was, she kind of just said she had no choice, you know? And, like, that no choice thing for me, it was, you know, things aligned, you know? It was, it was, it, it, it wasn't easy at times. There were times I felt alone. I felt so like I had to grow up faster in other ways. I had to get street smarts in other ways. And then, you know, I was lucky to have, you know, the grenade family and all these band of, you know, misfits that were all kind of raising each other on the same way. I was just a little bit younger than all of them, you know? 
and and it just kind of happened. It just kind of it happened. I look at kids now that are 15, 16, and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so right? true. So true. Yeah. They are young. Yeah. I, you know? I think it's fascinating, too, because you see a lot of kids grow up, and I see, like, their, you know, their parents are, like, doing their homework and, like, fucking holding their hand all the way through to college and doing everything for them, paying their rent and, and all these things. And, and you, you like, I mean, personally, the only way I need, I learn is to fall on my face, dude. I need to go out there and fall on my face and yep. learn. And when you, when you kind of have your parents doing everything for you, you know, you, you don't have your sense of independence. There's always somebody that's going to be like, Oh, do this for me. You know? And, and like, look at yourself. You've, you probably, you, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, is it safe to say you're massively independent from having that at a young age? Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, independent for, for uh, yeah, a, a long, long time. You know, I think, like, there's, yeah, areas now where I, you know, and I'm, like, I'm still learning, you know, I'm 35 now, and I'd say, like, the work I've done on myself in the last five years has been the most important work I've ever done on myself, you know, and I'm still learning, and, and, and I'm always going to learn. I think, like, if you um, if you think you've got it all figured out, well, that's when you're fucking, that's when you've got it, nothing figured out. You know, so I just, I, I, I am, am thankful, you know, and it's even like, there are girlfriends along the way that have like made me who I am that I think like, you know, had helped me out and done things for me and, and made me a better person than if I didn't have that girlfriend at that time teaching me those things, I probably still wouldn't know that now. And I'm thankful for that too. You know, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, but it's, 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 it's weird, you know, like my dad like ended up, you know, on, on, you know, on his own and did his own, own, own kind of thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I, I feel like in some ways I'm like living out like what he always really wanted to do. You know, he wanted to like go and make it right for our family and, and do good. And he just got in the process, he ended up being gone for 20 years, you know, and that happened real quick, you know, and for me, it's, 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 uh. It's, uh, I think it's a little different, you know, so I think, uh, I'm fortunate of that, you know, I, uh, I lost my brother to suicide like two years ago and like, that's made me grow up a lot. There were three kids left behind and, and, and his wife and these things that like, I've had to like step in and do things that like, I wish you wish upon no one, but like, that'll, that'll also make you grow up real quick, you know, and fucking, you know, throw some ice cold water on your face and you know, all right, we got to keep moving, you know, and it's, it's things like that 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 have helped me who I am now you know and it's like I'm all right like with my dark days and 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 I, I would be lying if I still don't have dark days I definitely do but the brighter days really overshine the dark days and having those dark times and seeing that dark light I think is half the reason why I like try and shine the way I do you know I I, I put on I put on a happy face and I'm able to like orchestrate something that I don't think many people are able to orchestrate or have a feeling of that power to where, you know, you got an idea, you can go get it done or you can. And I just, I can, I can, I can feel things. I can see it. And I just, I go get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, the passion pours out of you. And when, when you're, when you're passionate about something and the way you speak and it comes through in your mannerisms and people will follow you into battle, man. And that's, yeah. and I'm sure that's the effect that you have. And I'm hearing so much just good advice. Cause it's just like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You could have a college degree and whatever it is, and, and that is great for a lot of people. I'm not trying to discredit that, but it's like you're you're in the business of, like, relationships and people and, and you know, it's like an untangible thing, but you've created your own lane. Think about this. 3.9 million kids graduated college last year here in America. 3.9 million kids graduated college. I bet are going to go work where? It's a harsh market. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like COVID hits, you like studying to do some industry that now it's going to pour out and not be here. It's like, it's, 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 it's crazy to, and I agree, you know, if you're going to be a doctor or create economy on Mars, go to school for nine years, you know, like you need to know these things, but like, we need those people, right? We do need those people, but there's so much more out there. There's so many new emerging industries. And like, I think it's in our power and our duty. And, and, and something that I take serious is finding out what those industries are and then showing kids that path. Cause if we don't, we're going to be fucked standing out a bunch of kids that don't have jobs and then where are we in 10 years, you know? And it's like, you've got to think about the moving cycle of how, how do we keep evolving? And, and, and we've got to, we've got to set our kids up. And if we don't set our kids up, we're fucked. And more, more kids up to like 40 have moved back in with their parents yeah. due to COVID. You know, I want to talk about this cause I was thinking about this and this may is, isn't relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. But you know, I think about why is it harder for kids nowadays? Right. And, and in, in order to get stuff done, you need to be like, honed in tunnel vision focus and nowadays we have all this shit coming at us like let's say you want to dive into a project and and just say build a fucking table for the just for the sake of this example it's gonna if you if you're honed in and you're doing it uh like nobody's distracting you you can get it done rather quickly but when you hear your phone's buzzing and you got oh, oh this person messaged me this person commented oh i got a phone call there's this this element of distraction that i don't think we had when you had your boost mobile phone swinging around your neck people aren't dming you every two seconds and so because so, you know what i mean so, so you might get a phone call here or there we had chirp chirp, yeah, chirp, chirp. You had your buddies you could chirp well, what about the 1000 youtube videos i gotta watch before i wa make this table yeah. because i'm I gotta listen to like twenty people. I gotta know everything about it before I fail. Yeah. You did good. <laughs> but th then, go then going back to like another thing. Going back to um, like I like what you said about uh, I, I don't want to go back to doing construction. And I think that you know maybe maybe I sound like a chapped old head with this, where it's like you know people. I think in our older generations, if you look at our great grandparents, they fucking worked their asses off. And then slowly, it's kind of just gotten like little bit softer and a little bit softer and mm -hmm. a little bit softer every generation to where like I look at you know my dad is much tougher than I am I feel like in a lot of those ways right and then you and so like as the younger generations come out it seems like they you know there needs to be a shift in like priding yourself on work ethic I think what are your thoughts on that 100% man like I, again I've been putting some weird situations in life right through the foundation I support the Los Angeles Police Department people look at me like I'm fucking crazy I'm also like man when you get pulled over, you flash a little card. It goes a long you way. Yeah, a long way. You know what I mean? I don't get, I don't get tint tickets, okay? I need to get one of those cards. <laughs> you know, but I got to sit with the chief of police in Los Angeles and his team, you know, and, and I said, hey, uh, having breakfast with these guys at the at the LA Police Academy. It's some cool shit, you know? You're out in the shooting range with the fucking chief of police. And 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 I, I was able to have a breakfast and sit at this table and be like, I want to raise a hand. How many of your hard-earned dollars that you told that money that you put into your kid's college fund was going to help? How many, how many, raise your hands, it was at, at a table of like 15 people. It was like 75% raise their hands. All their kids are living back home in their, in, in their house and have no job opportunities. Nothing. Just a bunch of wasted money because we've sent them down a wrong path. And I think it's like, listen, I think there's more job opportunity now than there ever has been. It's just different. You can't learn a lot of this stuff at a traditional school, mm -hmm. you know? And people now, especially even people with money, like even all that scandal of like people fucking paying fucking people to put their kids in that fancy school and their, fa and their fancy people is because it's relationships. 
They're putting their kids. It's so important for their kids not to get that degree, but to get that degree at that school because they're going to spend four years around other people that have relationships that can get them jobs. Now it's not about having the degree. It's about having the degree and the relationship and that we've overeducated people in areas that there's no work for them. But I truly believe that there's more opportunity now than there ever has been. It's just different. And your grand, your, your great-grandparents, your grandparents, our parents, middle America, it's not understandable then. They don't get it. They don't get these new opportunities. They don't understand how it works because it wasn't taught to them. You don't know anything until you know it, right? And it's like, it's, 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 it's about educating in a different way. And I truly believe that. And I think that, you know, colleges, um, for example, with COVID, everything that's going on, they kept their, uh, they kept the sports programs going, didn't they? Yeah. Huh. Grandparents went to war, so they know how to be tough. <laughs> and they're like, point. these guys are soft. It's because they don't, they didn't face the Great Depression. Yeah, they didn't pray, they didn't have to go to war, get drafted. We're great basically point. in that right now. Yeah, now maybe they're you gonna start I mean? hardening up again because of what what's gonna happen. Yeah, and then going back to some of the stuff with school, just a random thought that popped in my head. But you know, you look at some of the stuff. To me, I don't know enough about it. it could be wrong. But it kind of seems outdated because when you're looking at, okay, it's you, so outdated. You, if you want to get a degree in marketing, right? Like they're maybe just starting to teach you about Facebook and then Instagram. By the time they teach you about Instagram, the shit's fucking outdated. Yeah, there's some new shit. Some <laughs> school you're books. Hitting a moving, <laughs> you're hitting a moving target. Some public school books, it was uh, uh, every seven years they updated them. Imagine if the last seven years, you didn't know anything that happened in the last seven years. How much has it changed in the last so 12 much. months? Yeah. 24 months, two, three, four. It's like a whole new world. We live in a world where every 12 months is a whole new world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, I didn't know about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's also a great age of information being opportunistic. It's like, really, if you're interested in shit, you can nerd out on podcasts. You can watch YouTube videos. You can find that information on your own if you need to. And I'm not trying to fucking knock college because I think the other thing that isn't really important about college that I'm going to say be devil's advocate here is that the the importance of being able to complete tasks in a timely manner and being able to like uh, be able to say hey you need to get this done and getting it done and maybe uh, you know just being able to like incrementally have consistency and you know with school like being able to show up hey man you gotta fucking show up like that's I think those are some of the more important things. One hundred percent. But think about this: like the basics they don't teach, and I agree with that. Like I'm not saying, hey, everybody drop out of college. That's like the last thing I'd say. But I think there's a lot of people that they could get degrees that they ain't never going to use. True. You know, and 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 I think that you know you need to teach kids about their finances. You need to teach kids that they don't teach in generic school, mm-hmm. which is when you go into the real world, the first thing you need to learn. You know, so you're going to see Google and Amazon. I think Google just released like a cool, like uh, they're working on like a, like, uh, like courses where it's $300. You do a four month course and th- it's a finance course. Like there are things like that are so important to no matter what you go into life. You need to know about your finances. You need to know about insurance. You need to know about how the general life works. And I think that we're fundamentally done things a little backwards or not correctly on like, why are, why are we teaching kids like some crazy weird algebra shit that like ain't anybody going to use? Why don't we teach them some numbers and teach them about how they have to pay taxes? Because mm-hmm. I wish somebody told me that. Yeah. You know, Uncle Sam, you know, it's like this guy's going to come knocking on your door after you've, you know, got a, you know, a, a, a shoebox full of <laughs> letters from the government. You're like, oh, I wonder when they're going <laughs> to. 
You had one of those too, huh? Yeah, a couple shoeboxes. I'm just going to put this over here. And I'm going to look at it for a while. We're just going to not look at that one for a while. Well, and like you said, these if you get your kid in the right school, those are the people that are going to be running the world in the future. So it's all relationships, less so than what you're learning. That's it. And even in our world in snowboarding, you see that some of these guys that have the jobs, they all went to school back east together, like T-Bird and Tanner and That's it. all these guys. Of it. It's yeah. all, it's like they the all went industry. to school, it's so like, they like, hire man. the next guy. It's like weird. Like, oh, the same guy did the lighting that did the Rocks movie or that. It's like, it's all relationships. Yeah. You know, in the snowboard world, it's it's so small. And that's when I was announcing contests. It was like the same group of people moving around. You know, you got the the people running the magazines. You got the you got the the, the the team managers. You've got the event people. You got the people winning, and then you got the people hosting. And you're all become you know. It's they're like, all moving around. Yeah, huh? they're all moving around together. Yeah, true. Absolutely, that's a great lesson because you know a lot of the aspiring snowboarders they think it's just about it's just about their tricks. Oh, I did this hard trick and fucking I should be getting paid, but it's like nobody wants to fucking hang out with you. I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, if, if you don't want to hang out with you, you're not going to get on the team. Be a likable person. <laughs> yeah. Be a nice person. Yeah. And you people know, will like you. That's kind of harsh advice, but it's like, you know, the relationships are just as important as the tricks. Yep. You got to be fucking good, then you got to be cool. Yep. And you and sometimes there's one can outweigh the other. Back in the day, you didn't even have to be that good. You just had to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Guys like me could get sponsored. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Give one for me. <laughs> I almost had a pro model snowboard. Well, I ended up having a pro model snowboard with Gnu a monster way down the line. But I almost had a pro model on 5150. I was on the pro 5150 team, and Todd Richards drew the graphics up. And then my 5150 ad, I'm on a Gnu. Danny Snow. I'm on a, I'm on a Danny Cass Gnu. <laughs> Dude, and uh, I remember my most notable is, I think it's video games. There's like a crane shot. Of you, opening the forum, forum Young Bloods. Yep. And which one are you? I'm the first one. They called me the jet ski. I did like the leech slide on oh, the box. Yeah. Hey, you Smith grinded yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, those are uh, not really in style anymore. Oh, they're not? Maybe they're coming back. Man. It was kind of a no-fly zone for a long time. Right, Smith right, grind. right. I flew when the it Smith? was... I flew when it was... Zeech? I think, yeah, the Zeech. Let's Zeech. give you a hot... Let's do a hot take on the Zeech right now, off the cuff. Okay. What do you think about it? Um, I like... Good for him. No, I mean yourself doing the grind. And be, what do you think of yourself? Like, oh, doing the Zeech? You know, Z, Z, you know what's funny? It's like <laughs> fucking confusing me. <laughs> Zach, Hannah, and Carl Clancy all kind of have given me my name. I don't. I cannot. Re- or every single one of them will tell you that it was them. But it was. It that was named you the Dingo. Yeah, it was one of them. It came from one of them. And I spent a lot of time with Zach when I was a kid. And um, I love Zach. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I definitely wouldn't do one today. He left probably, his mark. That's probably because I, <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. I think they're coming back in the style. You think they're going to come back? Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick second to talk about Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza. First of all, their pizza is incredibly tasty and is made with all natural ingredients. There is no artificial anything. Wild Mike's really cares about this snowboard community. They are a huge support of this podcast. We just actually hammered a Wild Mike's pizza. Oh, we, we did. Before we started rolling. Yeah. And, uh, Cheese and pepperoni. Yeah, the little Rones. And they are doing a really cool giveaway right now. If you work at a ski resort, mountain shop, or any other business in the snowboarding or skiing world, Wild Mike's will send you one free pizza and stickers to share it with your coworkers. Just DM them at Wild Mike Pizza on Instagram with a photo of your employee, lift pass, or other proof of employment. 
This promotion runs through May 1st and is open to U.S. residents only. Once again, Wild Mike supports us. You should support them. I think that that's a pretty badass little situation that they're doing. And, um, you know, right now I think we should maybe get into a guest question. It's presented by Solomon. Real, real quick, that's a lot of pizzas, man. I hope I hope they're ready. Mike, yeah. Mike better be ready to be standing by and putting some uh, pizzas in the mail. That's going to be heavy. A lot of pizzas getting thrown out. A lot of pizzas getting thrown out. We're going to get into a question from Scotty Connerly right now. Here we go. What's up, Bombhole family? This is Scotty Connerly from Mount Hood, Oregon, calling my Australian brother, Dingo, to ask if you could run us down what it was like to wake up on a private jet owned by Black Sabbath with Ozzy Osbourne pouring Jack Daniels down your throat as you were sleeping. If you could kind of run down how you ended up on that jet and go through what it was like to wake up and party with those guys, that'd be great. Uh, Lots of love. Uh, What's up, Chris and Stone? Hope you guys are well. Thanks. I don't think it was Jack Daniels. I think it was water, but that happened. (laughs) (laughs) There's a big difference between Jack Daniels and water. I like yeah. Jack Daniels better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not throwing alcohol around. But yeah, no, that happened a few times. I don't know. Yeah, me and Kelly have been close. We're close for a long time. And I got to know the family and spent a lot of time with the family. And ended up, yeah, seeing a couple, you know, really cool shows and being in some situations. You're like, wow, can't believe I'm here. I'm you're on a like private a, jet with Ozzy Osbourne. You're a big family friend of that, like, tight, yeah. right? Wow. They call those uh, PJ. TJ, yeah. Private he jet. came, he, we had Ozzy at a couple NASCARs. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack and him were filming the t- the travel show they had going, and 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 uh, he came and hung, and yeah, no, it was cool. It's cool. They're Must be a pretty cool dude to hang with. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't think it gets any more iconic. Like I've been around a lot of famous people or powerful people, and I can tell you that like that room when he walks into the room, I don't care if the last six presidents have been there or any other rock star that's still alive. He walks into the room, he t- commands. And all attention on Ozzy Osbourne is pretty cool. Wow. Let's get him an air horn. Yeah. Buds, you got a Peachy? I got a Peachy. It kind of goes back to uh, your older days with a grenade crew, I think. Uh, this is from Mark. He wants to know about the time you and your chick at the time got a snowmobile covered by the train plow at Kingvale. Also about Schiff explaining space dogging. Yeah, so we were... Um what was the name of the mountain they had? King Kingvale. Kingvale. Before it's time. <laughs> the boys just got, got a bit of land. I think it was a tube hill. And and it was after, I think, the North Star, one of the North Star, one of the Vans events or something up there. And we were ripping snowmobiles. And I had ripped uh, I'd ripped up over the train track and then got it stuck on the, on the train track. And as it's stuck, I look up and you can just hear the train horn. And oh, it's no. a huge snowplow. And it's pushing like a 40-foot bank. And we've got the rope out. And the dude, the, the conductor's out on the thing like, guys, what the fuck are you doing? And we've got the rope, <laughs> and I'm on the back of the snowmobile. I think it was Casillo maybe that, like, we've got the tightrope. And I'm just like, I'm not bailing. It was my chick's snowmobile. It wasn't even mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just kind of on. And, and, and I had the confidence that it was going to happen, and we ripped it out probably 10 seconds. So if anything had gone wrong, I'd fallen off, snowmobile, gone. And we ripped it out, and that thing blew by, pushing a 40-foot snowbank. And wow. Probably one of the scariest things I've ever 
Yeah. Yeah, anything went wrong, you were probably toast. Man, you know that moment in the movie where uh, Stand By Me, they look up yep. and the train's coming? It's foot stuck, maybe? Or they're on the... No, they're on the they're on track. The, they're running yeah, on the, yeah, on the yeah, bridge. Yeah, 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 that was, that, that was my moment. That was that moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a side note here. Buds one time took a shit in a tunnel. <laughs> and uh, can you talk about that yeah, It was a very similar, <laughs> similar story. <laughs> I was in a tunnel in Poland shitting. Train tunnel. A train tunnel. And uh, a train came, and I, Cole Taylor, the filmer, saw me walk in. You know, my friend at Tech Nine back in the day. Saw me walk in the tunnel and then saw the train come and pretty much thought I died. But I had come out the other end just in time and uh, got my shit out. Shit. And it ran before the train comes. It's a very similar story to yours. Except wow. I was, I was taking a crap. What was, what was part two of the Patreon? Oh, it was uh, Schiff talking about space dogging. Yes. Is that, is that jog a memory for you? Nah, space dogging does. It's, it's, I don't know. It's not on the top of my brain. Right. I'd have to like phone a friend for that one right now. It's like, uh, who, a wants to be, a who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> Can I use a phone a friend? <laughs> Can we call Schiff? <laughs> Either way, that Stoneville story was amazing. Yeah, Space Dogging too. It's like it's gonna have something to do with shit. <laughs> it's gonna have something to do with shit. You know, that's all I'm saying. But I'd, I'd need to phone a friend on that one. You know, one thing we breezed over that is fascinating to me is that you are friends with Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. What's that like? It's crazy. You know, what's crazy is like since the moment we met. I think we've known each other now four or five years, and we're just kind of similar. It was really funny is MTV through the, 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 the days of MTV. MTV was really trying to find a home for me. You know, after the show and Jeff Tremaine had supported me, Lauren Dolgen had supported me, who basically like was the, uh, the developer at MTV for Jackass and Robin Big and all these shows, you know, and then, then, you know, they had, I, uh, there'd been a game show idea where the Gronk and his brothers we're gonna do like a like a battle like a, like a gladiator type show, and then they wanted me to um, host it, you know. And then and then and and and, and that was kind of I guess the start of it. And then the monster thing kind of came out, and they would worked on a deal to have a football player. It wasn't it wasn't a deal to have a football player. It was an opportunity kind of came up, and especially for monster in the New England area, they'd been looking to like up sales and do these things, and you know, all right, if like you know, monsters not typically putting on what they call stick and ball people, but if they're gonna put them on, they're gonna put the right person on, and who's the right person in an NFL? The fits Monster Energy. It's Rob Gronkowski. Absolutely. You know what I mean. The guy's a party animal. The guy's winning Super Bowls. The guy's hanging out with Tom Brady. It's like a. It's like a bit of a trifecta. He's got a bus with his entire family partying on it at every football game. <laughs> yeah. Not really? to interrupt, but continue. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's like five brothers. Three of them have played professional football, and like, you know, I just kind of the dad Gordy is like like a fucking legend. And I just, you know, through through Mitch Covington, our head of sports marketing, who does all the big monster deals, you know, I just had 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 been in the right place, and they'd taken me around, and I just kind of become friends with the entire family, you know. And it's, uh, you know, what you see is what you get, you know. It's uh, he's he's a fun guy to be around, and that's the thing. It's like we did his retirement party that he ended up coming out our retirement for, <laughs> and uh, in at the Palms, you know, and he's got. You know, at the retirement party, it's like he's got a traveling party. I think it was like, you know, 60, 70 people. I'm like, I'm like that's cool. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you go, all right, we're going to do Grunk's retirement party. Uh, yeah, they're coming with like 60, 70 people. Okay, cool. Let's facilitate it. Let's have a good time. Um, it, 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 funny story. So we did the Grunk Beach in Miami last year for Super Bowl. Piss and rain on the beach. 
I think we had Diplo, Rick Ross, um, DJ Carnage. Keep going down the line. There was like seven rain, and it was pouring rain all day, and it was so weird because Bill Balachek, I'm standing up in the thing, and I see Bill Balachek walk in. This is the day before Super Bowl. Obviously, Patriots weren't in it. Off-duty, Balachek. Got all his rings on. He's got his little shorts on. He hung out all day at this party that's pissing rain. We're all drunk as shit. The Gronk's drunk. Like It was like raging rain. And in my head, I'm like, why is he here? He knew what was about to happen because it was that next day after the Super Bowl that then Brady announced he was going to Tampa Bay and that Gronk was coming. And from my understanding, they wanted to trade Gronk and Gronk, so he body was beat up. He'd been getting beat up. He, he, he got two, you got you got two big men every week that are gonna their job is to take you down, you know. So his body's fucked. And understanding is that he's like, I am not gonna catch anybody. I'm not gonna work for anybody that's not Tom Brady. They tried to trade him and he retired. He retired, but he never went off the list. He was still he could have run on the football field at any time. Right for any team, he would never did the and it did, 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 was hosted Fox NFL was on the Mars Singer was doing all these things. He's they, they got him working. They work. They they God makes Gronk work. He is one of the like biggest endorsers out of all athletes around the world, and 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 they're very smart with his money and what he's done. But they put him to work. Sometimes I'm like, man, I feel bad for him. I'm like, he's like, what am I holding? What am I selling? But it's like, man, the guy the guy prints money, but um. You know, I feel like he was almost happy to go back onto the football field. So he's like, I, I don't know. My job's now to run around on a, back on a football <laughs> field. And I, I, I just think the whole thing was genius of the way that Tom Brady handled it, the way that it went down. And even in my head, like, when it all kind of happened, and I was like, man, it's what's even weirder is that the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay. And it was all this just, like, build up for, like, what was going to happen and – Fuck, it happened. It happened so gnarly. Like, when Gronk got that first touchdown, I was like, it's over. It's over. Mahomes got the concussion two weeks before. He was rattled. They they just looked rattled. And I was like, they've been playing Gronk differently all year. They've been utilizing him differently. And then, like, Super Bowl, back to what it was yeah. three, four years ago. Let's just run it. First two touchdowns. Fucking. He picked the Super Bowl to show up. It's exactly. Great time to show up, Gronk. Great time to show up. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a, it's an amazing story, you know, and I, I feel, you know, they're just situations. You're like, man, it's crazy that, you know, you're just amongst those people and in those situations, and they're just like any of us. You know what I mean? It's like they're just genuine cool people, and I think that's why you're able to find these people when you go on this journey of life and you're attracted to certain people, you know, and, and, and it's just, you know, we all have, you know, maybe something about us that keeps us together, keeps us a little bit wild, maybe keeps people on their toes, but that's the exciting part, right? God damn it. I want to be friends with Gronk, too. Let, him, let me know. <laughs> we can make that happen. We can make that happen. Holy shit. You I'm know, like, I actually have. It wasn't even where, but I, 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 <coughs> it's gone missing. I have the, the, the Patriot Super Bowl with the logo jersey that signed that ended up going missing. You know? Went missing? Yeah, Chris that, would have loved that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that thing's worth a couple of biscuits. Yeah, biscuits. Would be. Hey, you know, we didn't talk yeah, much about Cheddar about Biscuits. biscuits. <laughs> cheddar Biscuits. Increment of money we uh, bring up on the show quite a bit. Uh, let's just do nostalgia because, uh, you know, let's say during your era of filming Robin, or not Robin Big, Jesus, uh, Danny and the Dingo. Yep. Can we just get like a ballpark of how many biscuits you're earning maybe between sponsors and the show? Oh, biscuits. Cheddar biscuits. Cheddar. Money. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I put myself in a position where I didn't, I, I didn't have to worry about work for a while. That's a good position to be in. We're going Louis. So Vito, is he doing a dodge? Uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's dodging, dodging like the Matrix right now. He's dodging. Yeah. I lived in Malibu. Is that so, a dodge? Are we gonna get a? Are we gonna get a? Are just we? Are we gonna keep? He's, he's like the Matrix. Guy. They know how to defer. <laughs> they just know what's up. So we're not gonna get a number. An Australian mind trying? trick coming yeah, out. Australian <laughs> mind trick. You can't talk numbers. Here, here's another one. Because when people talk numbers, I, this is how I look at it. When people talk numbers, I have it. When people tell me what they make, I like have it. Ha- oh, oh take, half cut it. it in half. Half it. Yeah. Well, there, there's actually a Patreon question from Magic Narwhal. He's been throwing a lot of questions at us lately. He wants to know what kind of cheddar biscuit you were pulling from appearance fees back in the day at clubs. I don't know if you do that anymore, so maybe you can talk about it. Okay, so yeah, I can talk about that. I think I was like with Little John and like that whole era yeah, of like, like what was going up, on. Showing Dude, up I was getting paid 2500 bucks a pop to show up and spray champagne. And that was it. That, that was, was your it. only job. That was my job. That's a good fucking job. That's a great, great job. job. That's a great job. <laughs> and hang with little John. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know Louis Vito's in the background okay. somewhere. Yeah. Louis's got a bottle. Hanging. He's not yeah. even drinking. No, but he's, he's just not there. drinking. He's got a bottle. Yeah, he's got a bottle and he's not drinking. <laughs> Talk about good times. Yeah, man. COVID, Talk about you can't even do those things When anymore. do those times even come back? I feel yeah. bad for the kids. I feel like, those times I feel like that's never buttoned back. up for a minute. We go to Florida. It's fine. Yeah, yeah true. Florida. There's <laughs> well, just, COVID doesn't exist yeah. in Florida. Yeah, yeah, COVID, fees all day in COVID Florida. doesn't exist in Cancun, Cabo, or Florida. <laughs> yeah, <that's> so true. <laughs> Holy shinto beans. Um, one thing we haven't been talking about is uh, your new thing you're doing with Danny. Yeah, man, it's 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 the cycle of life, eh? It's like things, and you see, we see a lot of people redoing things that they've done a while ago, and that's because it works, right? Our show worked, our relationship always worked, and you know, we're just at a point in time right now where we're launching a new product called Unleashed, and it's going to be podcast format, YouTube format, more of a talk show style setup. And every week we'll just be interviewing our like monster athletes, musicians, entertainers, some employees. We're going to take, I want to showcase the company from the inners, right? Of like, even how you're talking about marketing. I want to have some of the VPs on there talking about how they do what they do. Like, how did you get Conor McGregor to do what you do? And I think it's very important. And, and, and the monster anthetics is that we put that out there, you know, and, and I'm excited that, you know, we've got that underway and that launches in, in the next couple of weeks here. So that's on Spotify, YouTube, uh, and then Apple where we're, we're filmed. we are filmed the couple. Najee Houston will be the first one coming out. Beautiful. Yeah. Amazing to me that you and Danny, after all these years, it's so rad that you're still working together and putting out. That's, that's big. Big, it's awesome because yeah. so many people fall it's out. Like, or, it's like a Tom yeah. Brady, Rob Gronkowski combination. Yeah. You can't go it's, wrong. You can't no. go wrong. You can't. You can't go wrong. And it's like you the have end each of the day. Back and boom, let's do this. You know, I feel very fortunate about um, you know what Jason Ellis did for me. Um, and, and how I was able to learn every time I'm in a situation, I like learn, like even when I was back, like announcing the U S Grand Prix, I would like note things, you know what I mean? And that's when I would start building my own file of like the athletes and you build and, and you learn, I'd look at what the other people were doing. And, 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 and that's the same with Danny. We had a successful recipe that worked, you know, and it worked for a long time. We did that thing for six years 
Um, and, 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 and the way that our relationship is, it just made sense for us to take it to that platform and be able to continue it, showing up at X Games and like, you know, like being the unofficial guys that are making videos, making fun of what's going on or making light of it. It's like, I like that. You know what I mean? And everybody else likes it. I like being on top of the butt in a, in, a, in a gas mask suit and, you know, like Sean blowing by or Scotty Lee, or Scotty, uh, Scotty James, sorry, blowing by and them like laughing about what we're doing and like actually watching the funny videos we're putting out. And I just like, we live in a time where it's like, I think that, I want to make light of a situation. I also want to make people laugh and smile. And like, I think me and Danny are able to make people laugh and smile. So unleashed, you know, uh, you know, fueled by monster energy, uh, with Danny and myself, it's, 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 it's not going to be much different than what we did. We're just not traveling. We're sitting in a room and you know, we're just going to have these short like conversations, you know, with what's going on with, you know, some of our coolest athletes, entertainers, musicians, employees, whatever it is. And just like you guys, you know what I mean? You guys tell a very in-depth story. You know, whereas I want to be quick, short, fun, and just kind of like hit, hit on it and move on. Hit Copy. it and quit it. Dude, it's awesome to hear how calculated you are throughout all these years to what you've become. It's it's no fluke where you're at, man. You, I appreciate yeah, that. You've paid attention, and people might not have think that seeing you just out there partying and doing your thing, but you're a calculated dude. Man, it's crazy because, like, I think I had this, like, persona that stuck, right? And it came really early on in my life, and I think there was maybe – a point where I was definitely loose, out of control, even for a small <laughs> amount of time. Let's just say out of control for, sure for the sake of, of the story. <laughs> but for most of it, I've kind of been there, you know. And uh, I appreciate that, you know. It's I always keep my ear to the ground. I keep my ear to the ground in snowboarding and action sports. But then I also keep my ear to like being open and 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 going into new situations and learning and 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 not being like, oh fuck that, that's not cool. I like you know NASCAR. You know, not many people want to put their hands up to go to Middle America every week. And I was like, it's cool. I'm going to go, you know, hang out and drink moonshine with people in Middle America with Middle Americans. You know, I was like, that's cool. <laughs> and I bet they love you. <laughs> um, one thing I'm personally uh, interested in, and, and I think our listeners maybe too, is that, you know, you've, you've taken this untangible road of to success, which is a shitty word I like to, don't like to use, but we'll just use it for the sake. You, you know, where you've ended up has been... It's just been un untraditional. Now, you know, you've essentially found yourself, right? You f you found your lane. You found, you know, whatever it is about yourself that, that people are interested in. And, and do you have any advice for some, some kid out there that's lost that's trying to find their lane? You know, I think it is the most important thing is... want to be yourself right you want to be you and always stay true to you even if that means upsetting people or or not what traditionally what other people would think is the right or the most traditional way if you believe it and you understand it go and do it and you're going to figure out how it's going to succeed right that's i think that's the most important thing is don't be intimidated by somebody else's opinion ever. Opinions are just opinions. Reminds me of the bucket. The bucket quote right here. Chris is. Uh, we have a quote we look at. Not. To, uh, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. But you going, know, going, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Sorry. No, what I was going to say to that is I got a line that I used to use is, is my biggest failures and my biggest successes. I used to use that when I speak. 
every time I failed, every time I hit rock bottom, that's when I was actually my most creative. When I was sitting, dwindling, being like, what's next? How am I even going to get through this? And you fall, you fall, you fall, you hit rock bottom. You have an idea. It doesn't work out. It's a it's a massive failure. You lose money or the, like whatever it is, burn a relationship or like whatever happens. But if you learn from that failure, was it really a failure? Truth. It's when you do it again and again. That's yeah, you're failing. Yeah, that's that's a failure. You know, but failing and understanding that that you le- learning something from that, you're gonna eventually win. Failure provides great data. Yeah. Oh, this is what I did wrong. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. This is where I have room for improvement. Yeah. Clearly. And failure is some of the most opportunistic times. You know, I mean, honestly, this thing is a jump started. You asked earlier off air when why the podcast started and and you know, my my girlfriend left me at the time and I was fucking I was in a bad place right when COVID hit. I gotta put my energy towards something. Yeah, he yeah. needed a project. I needed a project. And it's like yeah. those those failure and that was, you know, and failure in a relationship, a lot of data and what I did wrong it yeah. showed up. And so, you know, there, there's I don't know. I just that just resonated with me and I'm kind of speaking about why. But, you know, it's it's a and even with COVID, you know, going back to these are opportunistic times, like fuck, if you work at a restaurant and you lost your job, god damn it, that's yep. awful. You own a restaurant or yep. or your your business has been affected or your family or you've lost somebody. Like, God damn it. That is fucking awful. Let's not discredit that in the slightest. But, you know, if you can if you can have some foresight, there's there's a great time to be opportun opportunistic with what's going on. And I think you're doing some of that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent, man. It's like, you know, I some some extremely smart people that I look up to, I saw them make huge moves in 2008 when the economy crashed and seeing how they built their brands out of what had happened. And I think I was too young at that time to realize kind of what was going on, but this time around and seeing it and being able to like be told to sit still and not being like, I'm too busy. I'm just on this circuit that I'm on, you know, that I was on for however many years and, and to be able to sit still and know that what I truly want to get out of life, knowing what's important, what's not important, what you've been putting energy into that you don't necessarily need to, what do you want to put more energy into? And and you're 100% right. It's like there's a lot of opportunities right now. And, and, and man, I fucking, my heart goes out to anybody that has been affected, the industries, the countries that people have been stuck. Like there's so much displacement. Like for example, my, my father had lived in China for 20 years, man. My dad's like back in Australia where I grew up, where where he was how, how 20 years ago. And he can't even, he don't, he's not even, he worked in the movie theater business. He, that, that's, that. That disappeared. He doesn't even know if he can get back to his home. And he's had to restart his whole life at 60 years of age. Like, that's a displacement, you know? And it's like everyone's been affected differently. And 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 my heart goes out. But it's also, you just got to, you can't, you can't sit and dwell. You got to move forward. You got to always keep moving forward. And if keep moving forward means making a couple of mistakes along the way, just go make those mistakes. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of opportunity in the world right now. Man, I'm I'm fired up, bro. Fired up, dude. Well, cool, man. I mean, we've been clocking for a minute. Um, I think we're probably getting ready to wrap this thing up. Um, first thing, aside from the Unleashed um, series you're doing with Monster, do you what what else is next for the Dingo? You know, it's 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 weird how I can just I. I, I you know, find your grind super important to me, and 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 launching that new product is is that you know the new app that we have coming out is 
is very important to me. You know, there's there seem to be a lot of opportunities coming my way right now, and you know, there's I don't even think I should really we should really talk about it, but you know, there's a big there's a big event company that's for sale, and um, that's uh, that's that's you know, with uh, some of my friends, that's become a a pretty high interest, and let's just say if uh, that all goes down the right route, that. Uh, you know, some things, you know, some really cool things could be in our future, and I think that's for everybody, and some really important people are involved in, in that, and, you know, my fingers are crossed that everything goes the way that it should, and once that announcement or that happens, everybody will know pretty quickly, but it's like, that's, I wish I could say more, and I was telling you, but yep. I really just can't because I'll put my foot in my mouth and yeah. I'll get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you don't want to speak before something's come, come to fruition, right? Yeah, exactly, but it's the most exciting thing that's happened to me in a long time, I'll tell you that much, and... You know, some of the biggest names in, in our industry and in, in, in festivals around the world are all pretty excited about it. So let's just keep Let, your fingers let's crossed. Hope festivals start happening again. That's it, right? <laughs> let's right, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, they will. yeah. Let's not put the cup before the horse. People people are ready for it, so it, it'll happen. Yeah. Okay. Well Dingo, I think we did it, man. We're gonna wrap this thing up. Um lastly, do you wanna thank anybody before we sign off? Man, it's like, I think you guys, you guys are doing a great job. You know, I've seen, I, I thought it was on for like two years. I'm like, so how many, you guys, like, <laughs> how many years have you guys been going? I'm like, uh, you look like you got a product that's been going on for a while. Almost a year. Yeah, almost a year. That's what I said. I was like, almost a year. Um, 44 weeks. You know, I, 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 I guess at this point, it's it's for me to, you know, really thank, you know, Pat Bridges, um, you know, Mark Sullivan, the original whole grenade crew from, you know, Danny Matt. Uh, Hannah, Kyle, you know, Leach, Lane, um, there's that whole crew, you know, there's a bunch of people that are going to be bummed that I didn't mention their names, Keenan Rice, Jamie Curcio, like, you know, it's just like, I think that, uh, all those people I've mentioned, uh, have helped, uh, um, shape who I am through the good times and the bad times, um, and that I think that if it wasn't for, uh, those people and the, the sport of snowboarding in this industry, I like... I don't know what I'd be doing. I, I could be pretty lost. So I thank, uh, I thank you know, just everyone that helped out along the way. And, you know, let's let's just leave it there. Beautiful. Props. Well, we want to say thank you to you guys that listen, watch the podcast. We'll got, we have another one coming at you next week, next Wednesday. So uh, over and out from the bomb hole. See you then. Thank you guys once again for listening. It really means a lot to us. Your guys' support has been unreal. We really are building the community here, and it's awesome to have all of the input on Instagram, the shares. We see you out there posting on Instagram every week. And, um, you know, if you like the podcast, don't be afraid to text it to your friend. If you want to show more support and have a chance to maybe ask a Patreon question, you can head on over to bombhole.com where you'll find a link to our Patreon. I can't say it again, but thank you guys so much for listening and building this community. We will see you next week over and out from the bomb hole.